to The Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 167th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler in episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 43, 48, 51, 56, 64, 74, 83, 92, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, 107, 108, 109, 111, 114, 115, 116, 119, 126, 127, 133, 137, 140, 146, 147, 149, 153, 156, 158, 160, 162, 164, and episode 82, which also featured fellow regular guest Ash Burgess of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over 10 years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. A quick programming note. This is the first of three episodes which were recorded before the pandemic began and the Democratic presidential debates were still going. My plan was to drop in original audio between our conversation as I had done in previous episodes, but then everything happened. The Indiana primary was moved back to June 2nd, so technically even though Joe Biden is now the presumptive nominee, these episodes aren't technically late. I was concerned these would be lost episodes, but luckily since time is now a flat circle, you're free to enjoy this conversation, though without the original audio clips. And now on to the show. Yeah, we've, we've kind of got a unique situation as far as we've kind of crossed our wires about which debate we're watching and so forth. That's all right. How did you make any progress with the uh, PBS one? Um, well, I made it through the first issue, which was, uh, let's see. Uh, well, you know, Democrats haven't, congressional Democrats haven't su- convinced a strong majority of Americans to support a pe- impeachment like they did in 1974 so why not or what can we do about that or something and then i was starting the economy but then i i don't know i finished my lunch and i came back and i got some other things done as far as the other debate and stuff so i I ended up i've got like 11 pages on the cnn debate and with extra notes and stuff but then i you know it's kind of a crazy situation um I did go through some of the yeah the, some of the highlights. I got some of the highlights: the wine mm-hmm. cave, the stop waving your arm at me, Bernie, and this right. kind of thing. Yeah, well, I got a few uh, of the highlights. Yeah, well, maybe just for uh, time's sake, maybe we'll just we'll just run through the highlights of the PBS debate real quick, um, okay. and then we'll we'll just barrel right into the CNN one because I know you got a lot to say. Um, so, uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, I thought that, like I said, this wine cave moment was probably the highlight of the PBS debate for me personally. This is the moment when, uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and Pete Buttigieg, uh, went at each other. Uh, I, um, as I remember, it was, uh, to do with, uh, his courting of, uh, billionaire donors, uh, and, uh, Elizabeth Warren kind of drawing the distinction that she gets the individual contributions, uh, Pete Buttigieg fighting back uh, saying that he's worth a hundredth of what she is and that he wouldn't have a seat at the table without it. Um, but anyway, what did you get a chance to watch that moment? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And it seems like there was, there's some, something where she had taken big dollar donations in her last senatorial campaign mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then she had transferred them to her presidential campaign without taking new big donations. So she's able to say that she's not taking the money, but actually she kind of already took the money and yeah i don't know i mean i think like yeah i mean i guess yeah he is worth a lot less than she is at the same time 
he's half of her age. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't know how people in our, our generation are supposed to have the accumulated the amount of wealth that maybe our, our parents' generation may have been able to accumulate. So, yeah, it's just, it's it, just interesting to see the, uh, Democrats fighting about who has less money and that being more of a, <laughs> uh, a rea- you know, reality touchstone or whatever, because it's like, you know, Trump runs on he's, you know, how rich he is. So it's kind of funny to <laughs> see the contrast there. But yeah. Yeah. Well, Warren mentioned that the, the wine cave had like crystals everywhere mm-hmm. and that the bottles started at nine hundred dollars a bottle of wine or something like that. Yeah. 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 Or billionaires or something were in attendance or something. And. It's kind of like, I mean, do we have any images of this cave? Whose who's wine cave was it? Can we see some photos? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't didn't move the needle much for me in either direction. But uh, I guess we should just say who was at the PBS debate just for uh, consistency, consistency's sake. We had, uh, let's yep. see, Joe, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I almost said John Delaney, but no. <laughs> uh, Is Tulsi he still Gabbard in? Also, yeah, he's still there, as far as I know. Uh <laughs> Tulsi was not there also, thank goodness for either of those. Um, Bob, uh, actually, I think we've got to say who was there. We can't say this one was there, that one was not there. Because at the end of the day, a listener is just going to be like, wait, I heard a lot of names. All right, at the PBS debate, we had Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. Uh, The only difference between that and the CNN debate was Andrew Yang was not at the CNN debate, everyone else I mentioned just now was. So mm-hmm. it was, it, we're paring it down. Uh, there was only six at the CNN debate. There were seven at the, uh, at the PBS one. And that's a far cry from where we started in the first debate, uh, where we had split it into two nights and it was almost 20 people. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's getting down. Um, and I don't know, I, I will say that, I mean, the, the fewer, the smaller number of people, I don't know. I, I'm still finding these things very frustrating to get through. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I want these people to go into a debate totally unprepared. That's what I want, you know, because I don't like this thing where they, they everybody comes into the debate and they've all memorized, memorized these little factoids that they want to throw in there, not to clarify anything really, mm-hmm. but just to kind of confuse the issue about what they actually believe or who, you know, and, and I'm not saying this like against Democrats. I mean, all politicians at all debates do it. Mm-hmm. You can watch it in the Republican debates when they have those two, you know, people try to one up each other about how, you know, you know, you're a centrist. No, 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 actually da, 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 on this one little criteria. I'm very left wing, as you can see, or I'm very right wing. It's just, you know, and it really just confuses the issue. And a lot of times people you know, we, I think you and I have both been very critical of people who, you know, frankly, even people perhaps in some cases within our own families who, you know, my first choice is Warren, but my second choice is Klobuchar or Buttigieg. It's like, these people are not ideologically similar, you know? So Mm -hmm. what is the criteria you're using to, uh, jump from one to the other people who say, you, you know, the statistic is that, um, what do they say? They say for most Bernie people, their second choice is Biden, which doesn't ideologically doesn't make a lot of sense. So what what is that? But I, I think, you know, obviously some people are just hypocrites or whatever, or they they like the idea of sounding informed, but they don't actually, you know, care to do the legwork of figuring out, you know, what kinds of things do these different people actually believe that are similar or different to each other. But on the other hand, 
my point I'm trying to get to is that the the candidates themselves confused the issue so much that you could almost be excused for thinking that somebody was more left wing than they actually are or more cent- centrist than they actually are mm-hmm. based on how they answer questions in these debates. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not the greatest yeah. format for sure. So, yeah, it's um, I don't know. I was I was banging my head up against the wall trying to finish the CNN debate especially trying to get through mostly Amy Klobuchar's answers where she was, you know, she was really wanting to have it every which way, but honest, <laughs> as far as I could mm. tell, like she, I mean, she would latch onto one little thing or she'd try to try to make a whole argument. Uh, I don't know. We'll get to it later, but it, uh, some of it was just absolutely maddening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was going on at the point where in the uh, in the PBS debate where Bernie had his arm up and Biden kind of called him out for that and said, put your arm down for a second, Bernie. OK. And Bernie says, just waving at you, Joe. And he says, OK, OK. And he's like, yeah, just saying hello. What was that? What was the context of that moment? I don't know. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, thing because I think uh, I, I almost remember Hillary Clinton taking him to task uh, for about for that. Uh, waving his arms or putting his arm up in the talk to the hand type of way uh, during a yeah. previous debate. So I don't know. This this seems to be like a, a centrist talking point about Bernie is that he like waves his arms around too much or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I will, I will say back in like 2015 or something like there was a, there was a panel he was on on some TV show or something and he had his arms up in a way that it was kind of blocking a woman that was sitting next to him or something. And it was, it, you know, it was not a great look. I don't know. I don't think that he was really conscious what he was even doing or something at that moment. And, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what panel it was. I don't remember if it was the Bill Maher show or, you know, if it was something on CNN or B- MSNBC or whatever. But, but you know, that's different, I think, from being in a debate and raising your hand because you want to have a chance to respond to somebody. I mean, as long as your arm is not in somebody's face, I think it's not a problem, so. Right. Well, the, I just looked the transcript up of the PBS debate, and it looked like it was about 56 minutes in, and they were talking about Medicare for all, and uh, Joe course. Biden was saying, uh, by making sure that we're able to cover everyone who is in fact able to be covered, it put your hand down for a second, Bernie. Okay, just wave <laughs> until you, Joe. <laughs> I know. So look covers everybody it's realistic and most important you know so it's like he was talking joe biden was talking about his health care plan i'm sure bernie was uh, bernie sanders has a problem with that (laughs) yeah i'm sure he does yeah (laughs) so that was uh, that was that moment so so this was this was the sixth democratic debate it was hosted by pbs newshour and politico Mm. um hosted in la california at some university out there and this was on december 20th 2019 Mm -hmm. so last month Almost a little bit over a month ago, but and the hosts were Judy Woodruff, uh, I think from PBS, uh, Amnam Navaz from PBS, uh, Tim Alberta from Politico, and Yamish Alcinder, I think maybe from PBS. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was you know. Yeah, I, I'll so confess. It was uh, Loyola Marymount University. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh, what, what were we going to say? Yeah, I, I strongly regret. Actually, I thought I was watching this debate until we got to the point in the debate where Bernie and Elizabeth Warren went after each other. 
And that was when I re- realized that I was actually watching the uh, the January debate, the most recent one. I was like, oh, my God, okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not even saying this because of recency bias or whatever, but I do think that the CNN debate was more newsworthy than the BBS debate. I'm not saying nothing important happened. I thought there were several moments that we could talk about, and I'm sure if we want to go back, if, you, if you'd still watch the PBS mm-hmm. debate after we record and you see anything you want to talk about we can definitely do that uh but as far as like newsworthiness i think the uh the cnn debate especially the dust up between uh, bernie and, and warren was definitely more uh more substantive at least for in the context of newsworthiness so yeah yeah that that was my feeling too and we're, we're heading we're heading towards the iowa caucus i think it's on february 3rd mm-hmm. and just you know and i you know i know you you do backbreaking work bob putting these things out with with the amount of you know post-production you do on them and stuff but i do hope we can get this one out before the iowa caucuses just to you know yeah I'm give definitely people a gonna, chance gonna try for sure so yeah i would i would say in this one speed is more important than accuracy perhaps <laughs> <laughs> if you have to if you have to emphasize one or the other but sure all right so coming to the cnn des moines register uh debate in des moines iowa on January 14th, 2020, so about what, about 10 days ago. So this one, we, we've had much less prep time, but I somehow have done much more prep for. Hmm. Um, we have Wolf Blitzer, Abby Phillip, and Brianne uh, Fennen Steele. That's mm-hmm. a hard name to pronounce. It's got a P and an F together. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And just say, I was prepared for Wolf Blitzer to be a terrible debate moderator, but I think Abby Phillip took the cake mm. uh, on a number of questions. So, um, yeah, so that was the, that was the thing. And, of course, our, our members for this debate included, uh, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, uh-oh. <laughs> they're having good a situ. They're having a situation. They're having fun, believe it or not. So just go ahead. <laughs> okay. It sounds like, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like the debate's getting out of hand. Yeah, again. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, so our first, our first topic of the night with this at the CNN debate was Iran. Um, and they, you know, they went person by person and everything. Um, let's see. Uh, Bernie Sanders said, I was against the war in Iraq. Um, so, sorry. Okay. Let's see. And, he, and obviously he's throwing some shade at uh, Biden right there by saying that. And Joe Biden said, 13 years ago, I said it was a mistake. Oh, and Obama picked me in spite of my Iraq vote. And asked me to end that war. Um, uh, Bernie Sanders said he supported the Afghanistan war, but he was now says it was a mistake. Um, he criticized Biden for the Iraq vote and said, we both listened to the Bush administration. I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And I just, I made a note. I thought, I think it's interesting. I don't know. I think it's interesting that we are, you know, now almost 20 years removed, we're looking back at the Afghanistan war vote as a 
as a mistake or as a, mm-hmm. you know, the wrong thing. And, you know, I know the Afghanistan papers came out recently and it was revealed that, you know, basically generations of generals have been, you know, lying to generations of politicians about the, you know, effectiveness mm-hmm. of the war. We're just about to turn the corner and this and that. Nothing surprising at all there for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I know it's kind of fashionable, especially on the left to say, you know, you were against the uh, against the uh, Afghan war before it was cool, mm-hmm. um, which reminds me kind of of a joke. What, what did they say? The um, hey, Bob, why did the hipster burn his mouth? Was that because he drank the coffee before it was cool? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I heard that somewhere. I don't remember where I heard it, but I like it. Um but like honestly, I mean, you know, I think like I think one thing that everybody has to be really careful about, um, including on the left, is mm-hmm. just to to try to go back in history and make yourself like having the correct opinion, kind of mm-hmm. post facto. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, in two thousand one, you know, three thousand people had just been killed in America by a terrorist group that was being sheltered in Afghanistan. I'm not so sure that they didn't deserve a war. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you can argue about the effectiveness of it, the goals of that, the the methodology, the, you know, there's, there's a million things you can criticize about what happened after that. But uh, I don't know what a world would look like where we didn't respond militarily to somebody flying planes into several buildings in America and killing yeah. a thousand people is like, and I, I, and I don't think, you know, a lot of people who weren't in weren't in Congress, weren't in the presidency at that time, weren't in politics yet, have the luxury of saying that they were against it when they didn't actually have to go on the record for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be fascinating to see how many of them had the courage of their convictions back in you know September and October two thousand one. Well, it's, it's interesting how the uh, yeah how the common wisdom changes on especially mm-hmm. Afghanistan because. I remember when it was kind of the, you know, radical outside thing to be against the Iraq war and Bernie was seen as kind of like an outcast for supporting that. Now it's like conventional wisdom. He's ahead of his time, but it's Mm -hmm. like even he wasn't as ahead of his time as apparently he needs to be now because he wasn't against the uh, Afghanistan war as well, even though, as he pointed out, everyone except for Barbara Lee voted against it or for it. So it's like, you know, it's it's easy to say, you know, it's also a, a symptom of the Democratic Party that uh, this is an issue because to be progressive, you have to be forward looking and always trying to, like, catch the next wave before it's like crusted. So it's like I don't feel like this is a problem as much for conservatives because it's like they just can say the same thing for years. And that's part of their appeal is that they're supposed to be conservative or whatever. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. and and like, I mean, and conservatives can say whatever the hell they want, but they don't they don't have to um, reckon with that as far as like what the next thing is. Like Donald Trump said, oh, Iraq was a big mistake. I said Iraq was a big mistake at the time. Mm, he kind of said both things at the time, actually. Um, but then he he puts us in a situation on a, on a track to get into a war with Afghanistan for. I don't know. I mean, similarly poor reasoning with similarly bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we are not at war with Iran right now is more attributable to the fact that Iran is smarter than we are, frankly, right yeah. now with this administration than mm-hmm. anything that this administration did. 
if Afghanistan had bombed people without warning him and had killed 30 or 40 Americans, 34 Americans, instead of uh, just giving them traumatic brain injuries, which is apparently now what's happened, Trump's hand would have been forced. We would have had to respond again, and we would probably be in the middle of a war right now. And so for him to during the during the campaign to say, oh, I was against the Iraq war. Okay, well, what would you do to avoid a war with us, you know, another country right next to Iraq in the region, you know, under similarly bad, you know, bad, I don't know, maladministration, for lack of a better word. I mean, like, how are you going to govern the country in a way internationally that's not going to lead us into a war with a similar situation? It's like you can say you were against the Iraq war, but why? And, you know, how? And like, how is that going to be different in the future? You know, I it's exasperating, but whatever. Right. Uh, um, let's see. Amy Klobuchar said, I had different experiences from Buttigieg. Uh, Donald Trump is taking us pell-mell towards another war. Pell-mell. I think that's a brand of cigarettes. <laughs> so um, Buttigieg said something after that because obviously, you know, you know, he and Klobuchar were going back and forth a little bit. She was, I think, disparaging him. She has disparaged him a little bit for being a small town mayor. And he said, you know, I was in the military. And she's like, OK, I respect your military service, but you also have to respect all of our experiences here, too. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, Elizabeth Warren, I sit on the the armed services committee. I visit our troops. I have three brothers. Bob, what do you know about Elizabeth Warren's three brothers? <laughs> Well, they're Republicans, two of them, and they served in the military. Is that they, what? They served yeah. in the military. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren, Bob, she, did you know she has three brothers and they served in the military? Yeah, I, I've heard that once or twice. Where, really? <laughs> where did you hear it? Uh, I believe from Elizabeth Warren several no. times during the really? debates. <laughs> really? Yeah. The, the one thing I know about Elizabeth Warren from every debate she's ever been in is that she has three brothers who were in the military. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let it go, Elizabeth. We get it. We get it. Yeah. But I mean, she doesn't have any military experience to speak of, which is fine. I don't either. But you know what I mean? It's like she, she does bring up yeah. that brothers in the military. Thing well, Tulsi Gabbard's yeah. off the stage. Let it go. You know, Tulsi Gabbard's not up there challenging everybody's gangster anymore. So just, you know, <laughs> take it down a notch, Elizabeth. Fair, but, fair enough. Um, let's see. Uh, Steyer said, I've traveled around the world in my business capacity Uh, Barbara Boxer was the only one to oppose the Afghanistan war. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I will say, and this is a little bit, you know, is this is this uh, liberal treason to say that, you know, Tom Steyer is coming out looking better and better in this. I was actually something I wanted to talk to you about, because I was like every time I heard Tom Steyer, it was like, all right, I'm ready to hate this guy. Billionaire, Mm -hmm. stupid, thinks he just ride his way into the race. And then every time he talked, I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Points. We got points. All right. Fine. Go ahead. So I'm like, yeah. what is it? What is it that we don't like about him exactly? What What are we supposed to not like about him? I, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we'll get into some stuff on like perhaps I th- I think like there was something on uh, college. You know, he wants he wants free college for most, but not for all. He said, mm-hmm. you know, which again it it comes down to this argument over uh over what do they call it um test testing no no what do they call it uh, means testing comes, I mean, it basically comes down to a liberal argument over means testing. Mm-hmm. And I think he said something on healthcare too, that was not mm-hmm. amazing, but 
I, but yeah, other than that, like, I mean, the guy, you know, I don't, he was, I don't he was, he was pushing, traitor, but like, yeah, he was pushing yeah. for, he was pushing for impeachment before anyone. Mm-hmm. He's taking up the mantle of climate change from, from Jay Inslee as his number one issue. Uh, you know, he's doing all these things that, you know, yeah. Uh, if if, yeah. if he wants to be Bernie Sanders light, like I'm not going to throw him out of the base, the race before I throw several other people out. That's all I'm saying. Amy Klobuchar, I'm looking real hard at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he I mean, he was. Yeah, I, I got to say, we'll get into his answers more later. But like he was not sounding bad. And like, you know, not at we'll, all. we'll get not to that. Uh, let's see. Um. Wolf Blitzer's pronunciation of the Grand Ayatollah Homenai. Homenai. <laughs> yeah, that I don't think that that's. I don't. I don't know. I know. I feel like that's, I know that's, a, that's a news. That's a newscaster thing because I feel like anytime they pr- pronounce a foreign term, I think they like yeah. stand in front of their like dressing room mirror for like ten minutes, like looking at themselves pronouncing it, so that when it comes up, they're like instantly able to go into the perfectly enunciated, accented, you know, natural speaking yeah. of it. It's like it almost was, comes out worse or something. <laughs> I was curious, like, be, I mean, Wolf Blitzer is Jewish and everything, and I don't, I don't know if this is a thing where he's like trying to be more authentic about the way he pronounces Middle Eastern names, but was that really more authentic or something? I, you know. I'll have to like watch some, you know, some news footage of actual, you know, actual Iranians pronouncing, uh, I, yeah, it's Khomeini, isn't it? It's, it's not as far as I know, as far as I know, I don't know, so. you know, we'll have to hear how it's actually pronounced, but it, it stood out to me that he pronounced it that way. Um, he asked the question, why pull out of the Middle East when last time we did ISIS sprang up? I'm paraphrasing, which... I don't know. Again, like this is an issue. Like, I think that's not a bad question to ask. I mean, like, I think that that's something that a lot of the anti-war left needs to needs to deal with is like the, you know, the absence of American power in a region does not guarantee peace and prosperity and, you know, good times for that region. It oftentimes just means that some very other some other very unsavory folks will take power there. I mean, like, Look what happened when we pulled out of Syria, which was entirely predictable. This is, you know, people have been saying, like, I've been arguing for years, like, we may have to leave troops in these places for a long time. I mean, that's what we did in Germany and Japan and Korea. And look at Germany and Japan and Korea today. Um, And but people are like, no, we need to pull out right now. Okay, well, I would say, well, you do that and you get a situation like Syria. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's predictable and it's and it's replicable. It'll happen again if we do it in other places. So mm-hmm. what's the answer for that? So, yeah, nature abhors a vacuum. So, yeah. So do I. If you saw my floor. <laughs> Sing. <laughs> yeah. <Take> that floor. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it for the pod, Bob. <laughs> so um, let's see. Um well, let's see. Well, anyway, so Wolf Blitzer asks this question kind of, but it was kind of a loose question. And it was in the answers, it was kind of unclear who was advocating for total withdrawal versus leaving combat troops only versus only leaving special forces. Uh, it, people were, again, I think like people were trying to skate by with answers that, you know, looked maximally left wing while also leaving them the you know, the, the, the movement, the, the wiggle room to leave as many troops as they actually want to in the region. So, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Sanders said Vietnam and Iraq were foreign greatest foreign policy disasters of our generation. They were both based on lies. Uh, we need an international coalition, and Iran should never get a nuclear weapon. Hmm. Okay. Um, Joe Biden said leave troops in the Middle East patrolling the Gulf, small numbers, and contain ISIS. Okay. Probably, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Klobuchar said, leave some troops, bring Afghan troops home. Some would remain for counterterrorism training. Uh, I would have left troops in Syria, leave troops in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, we're starting to see this kind of this wiggle room on Afghanistan. Bring the Afghan troops home, but some would remain for counterterrorism training. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're not really bringing all the troops home then, are we? I mean, I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'm just being too absolutist or something, but... Uh, and Elizabeth Warren said, get our combat troops out. Again, the inclusion of the word combat troops, you know, well, what about peacekeeping troops? What about, you know, uh, training, training troops? What about special forces troops? Are those combat, you know, again, it seems like she's trying to get some wiggle room. No, we're going to, we're going to bring our combat troops out. Okay. So we're bringing the troops out. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting all the troops out. No, 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 no. We're leaving some, you know, it seems like, again, it's kind of like trying to have it both ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says, shoot, Lindsey Graham talks about leaving troops there for a hundred more years in Afghanistan. And I'm thinking like Lindsey Graham's an idiot on a lot of things, but I don't know. You know, South Korea was a, like a 10 pot dictatorship until well into the eighties. And mm-hmm. then suddenly, you know, slowly and surely with a lot of work and a lot of protests, it wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a continuing process, but if we'd pulled American soldiers out of you know, out of, uh, out of Korea in let's say 1970, uh, they would have been steamrolled by North Korea and it, or at very best, best case scenario, they would have continued to be a right wing dictatorship until today. No doubt. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm Lindsey Graham's a scumbag, but I'm not going to say every single thing that he ever says is wrong. And it's like, yeah, we may have to leave troops there for a while, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It depends on whether you think America is even capable of, you know, shaping a country into some sort of a representative democracy anymore Mm -hmm. or, you know, how we did it in the past. But right. uh, Okay. Anyways, yeah, we're really wrestling with these things. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next question, Bob, was military action without congressional approval Um, other than direct uh, direct attack or something? Joe Biden said something. Um. Buttigieg said, replace authority for the use of authorization for the use of force. Um, uh, he said, uh, if our troops have the courage to, you know, go to these war zones, then Congress has to have the courage to vote up or down. He said he would have put a three-year sunset on votes for the authorization of the use of force, which is probably a good idea. Yeah, I, you know, I like that. That was good. Yeah, that way. I mean, I think I think a big a big part of the weakening of Congress and the Senate over the past 20 years has been the abdication of the uh, responsibility for the votes of use of force. I mean, since what was it? 2001, 2002, they haven't Mm -hmm. taken another vote on that and they don't want to. Right. Right. They don't want to take that responsibility because they, you know, that's a vote, you know, they saw how like the vote for the Iraq thing, you know, that's followed people for 20 years, basically. Uh, You know, it's followed, you know, it's killed uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign to some degree, it killed, uh, you know, 
uh, Joe Biden a little bit. It's it's a you know it's a thing that's hurt continue to hurt politicians for a long time. So, but by advocating that abdicating that responsibility, I think they've ceded a lot of responsibility to the executive to you know mismanage wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Warren says that if there's an imminent threat, uh, if there's an imminent threat, we should respond without congressional approval. But she says we've turned the corner so many times we're going in circles in the region. So, yeah. Um, I think she was complaining about the Afghanistan and the general saying we've turned, we're about to turn the corner, we're about to turn the corner again and again. Uh, Tom Steyer talked about value-driven coalition building. Um, Buttigieg said our security depends on Iran not becoming nuclear, less, not more nuclear danger um, in the world, I think. And I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure that our security depends on Iran not becoming nuclear. (laughs) Aside from, I, I guess there's a fear that Iran may like just like move their nukes around to all their regional, you know, proxies or whatever. I don't know that that would actually happen. I, you know, I'm not in the CIA, so I don't know, but mm-hmm. I, I think like, I don't think that they would want to have their fingerprints on, you know, a nuke going off somewhere that they had not intentionally set off, but that they could be linked to uh, building or procuring or providing to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy Klobuchar says negotiate with Iran if possible. Again, I think that's a big if after uh, after Trump. Right. Yeah. So any any thoughts on the Middle East stuff? Or? No, I think you covered most of it. I mean, yeah, it's it's easy to say, you know, uh, just bring all the troops out. I actually thought Joe Biden, uh, you know, was pretty upfront about leaving troops in. So to credit it to him on that, you know, he didn't try to have it both ways. So. Yeah. But. And I know this is, you know, this is a little bit of, you know, a liberal, liberal left wing Twitter sab- sacrilege or something to say. But it's like, I don't know, you know, it's uh, it's it's not just a matter of like, do we want to say we lost the war? Do we want to say we, we're going to continue to try to win the war? It's just it's a matter of do we want entire region of the world to, you know, devolve to the point where we will have another 9-11 in 20 years or something it's you know just i think a lot of lessons from that before time period haven't been learned so Mm -hmm. anyways okay well our next topic was meet with north north korea without preconditions Mm -hmm. okay um joe biden said not now put pressure on china to put pressure on north korea or he said on Korea. I think he meant North Korea, not South Korea. Yeah, I noticed Korea, that too. It's <laughs> like, okay, be, we, you know. Two of yeah. us over here, if we pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on Korea from different places, but, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't think we, we want China to put more pressure on South Korea. No. But again, you know, Joe Biden, you know, it was recently revealed that he has, that he stutters, right? And that's... Mm. A sad story when we feel bad for the guy, but I don't think all of his gaffes can be attributable to uh, stuttering. I think some of them are just – he's a little <laughs> bit lazy and imprecise with his words sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you did you see the thing he did recently where uh, somebody – a reporter was asking him a question, and he turns around, and he like – what does he yell? He, he yells something again and again and again. Hey, 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 or something. 
Did no, you see this one? No. Mm-mm. Not a good look. Not a good look. Try to you got to drop the audio in here when you find mm. it. It was not great. I mean, the camera angle was terrible. He looks about 50 years older than he normally does, <laughs> and he's uh, I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to drop it in there because the, I can't even get the context right now. But it was not a good response, basically. Mm. Yeah, no, I've not seen that. Okay, he said, um, well, absent preconditions, I would not meet with the, quote, supreme leader who said Joe Biden is a rabid dog. He should be beaten to death with a stick. I count that. And Bernie Sanders says, other than that, you like him. Like, <laughs> other than that, I like him. And he got a love letter from Trump right after. So that was kind of a funny exchange. I think, like, frankly, like, it would almost be funny if Bernie Sanders took Joe Biden as his vice president just because we get a whole bunch of those memes, you know, like we used to have with Obama and Biden, mm-hmm. where they're like these, you know, these two kind of like buddy cop kind of figures or something. Yeah, I do think like the, uh, the, the 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 dynamic between Biden and Sanders would be hilarious if they were serving together. But <laughs> that's a different movie than the reality we currently live currently live in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. Tom Steyer said he would not meet with North Korea without preconditions with not with, uh, he would do it in concert with allies only. Um, they didn't, for some reason, they totally avoided the ladies. They didn't, didn't seem to get anything from, uh, Warren or Klobuchar on that question. So I don't know. Uh, trade. They talked with about China, Mexico, Canada. Um, they say aren't modest improvements better than no improvements with regards to Trump's new deal, the USMCA. Mm-hmm. And Sanders says, no, we could do much better than a Trump led trade deal. And I've been against NAFTA against permanent normal trade relations with China. And they ask, but Mr. Sanders, to be clear, the AFL CIO supports this deal. Are you will, are you unwilling to compromise? This was this was the first of many questions that I noticed that was wildly Bernie Sanders. Why are you such an extremist? Shouldn't you be more moderate? (laughs) You know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as we can tell, what's that guy's name? Trumpka. The AFLC. Yeah, it's Uh. not Donald Trump. It's like his name is like Trumpka, Mike Trumpka or something. He's the head of the AFL-CIO, as far as I know. Mm, Uh, I think like I mean, I think. Um, Richard Richard L. Trumka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the head of the FLCO CIO, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, like, I mean, uh, 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 in the in the House, what's her name? Um, Sicilian. What? The Sicilian leader of the House. Leader of the House. Nancy Pelosi. Yes, thank you. <laughs> she is Sicilian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi like basically made him agree to sign it, as far as I understand. Like she, oh. you know, she said, you know, from what I, from what I've heard, like you know, she would really put the pressure on this Trumpka guy. I don't know why this guy's name is Trumpka. I don't think we need that kind of confusion in today's world. But, okay. <laughs> Are you saying he has to change? <laughs> I think yeah, it would be con- considerate. <laughs> But yeah, so so because the AFL-CIO agreed to support this deal under pressure, under duress, that shouldn't Bernie be, you know, shouldn't he be willing to compromise also? But, I, you know, I think like um, 
yeah, I think like, you know, there's an argument and a lot of people made the argument, oh, well, you know, there's some moderate improvements. So that's why I voted for this one to, to approve this uh, trade deal. It's like, yeah, but if you wait a year, you could get a better deal negotiated by Democrats, right? Mm. Like, this is why the Republicans didn't give anybody Merrick Garland in, you know, 2015, because they knew they wait a year, they can get a better deal for themselves, right? It's like, you don't take a moderately conservative justice now when you can get a totally, you know, maniacal conservative a year later, and you don't take a Trump trade deal right now and try to renegotiate it a year later after, you know, Mexico and Canada or China or whoever has agreed to this one now, they're not going to renegotiate. They don't want to get a worse deal at, by renegotiating a year later, right? Like right. they've already negotiated well, just, yeah. it. They're done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and just so, the optics of it were bad too, because it was the same day they announced the impeachment. And yeah, totally let's give Trump a win. Yeah. yeah. And then this, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was like this, the this one day you're supposed to, look, yeah. This guy's a, he's a threat to America, democracy, uh, people all over the world. He's dangerous, but here, we're going to give him this win on trade because it, yeah. it has some moderate improvements yeah. over the status quo. And, you know, we don't really want to win in a year. I and mean, like, what, what's the logic them, there? Yeah, the Republicans didn't give them any credit anyway for, like, being bipartisan about it. They were just like, well, why didn't you do it sooner? <laughs> yeah. You know, they they weren't like, oh, good, now we can all come to the table. It's like, no, sorry, you got, you, you're still you're still a loser even when you do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, where where is our Mitch McConnell? Like, where is mm-hmm. our, you know, person, our leader who says, you get nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can run the country for four years, but you get nothing from us. Right. And good luck, you know, that, you know, again, Democrats like to pat themselves on the back that they're better than that and that they're more concerned with the people. And so they want to govern for everybody. But this wishy washy weakness, you know, this is like this is why the House always wins when you gamble at the casino. Right. The House. What is it? They always stay at 16 or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Humans can choose to go above that or, or not. Right. But like mm-hmm. the House always stays at 16. Is, is Am I remembering that right? Uh, you're talking about blackjack. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they it's, always it's like they don't the, hit on 16. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and the stability of that is what gives them some sort of a numerical advantage. I may be like talking out of my ass here, but like that's from what I understand. It's that consistency, but it's like when you sometimes hit, sometimes, but then sometimes you don't. That's when you you start missing the ones you should hit and hitting the ones you should miss, and you know it, it, it introduces a variable into the mm-hmm. into the equation there which results in more losses, I guess, statistically. Mm-hmm. So again, I just wish we had a, I just wish we had a stronger leader who was like, no, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, this, the exact, this clown the exact criminal president like, gets nothing. Sorry. I said the blackjack thing wrong. It, the dealer in casino blackjack always has to hit below 16 or 17 to based on the casino. So it has okay. to stay when the cards are higher. So not that that matters okay. in the yeah, yeah, scheme yeah. of thing, but anyway, go on. So Yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know. It may not be a perfect metaphor, but, you know, I think that that's like, you know, this was the worst time to give Trump any kind of a deal. Yeah. And, you know, to the degree. Yeah. And to the degree that if we win in a year, you can you can get a better deal. It's it's just it's a I, I, I don't understand it. I'd like to hear somebody explain it to me in a way that I could understand. But in mm-hmm. in a way that's not that like we've got four or five, you know, conservative Democrats in in purple states and they need to have something on their record so they don't get their asses thrown out next year. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, we're on page two out of eleven, Bob. So we got to keep we got to oh, keep boy. this train rolling. All right. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Um, Let's see. Somebody said somebody then one of the moderators said we're going to get to climate change, but we'd like to stay on trade. And Bernie Sanders says, well, they are the same on this issue Mm, because he was I guess he was talking about the the climate issues with it with regards to the trade deal. Um, And then they asked the question to uh, Senator Warren, you support the USMCA. Why is Senator Sanders wrong? Mm. So they were I mean, they were gunning to get these guys fighting the entire night yeah and warren said let's get workers relief and then we we can renegotiate later which i think is a miscalculation right it's like you know when when was nafta done that was like the mid 90s we haven't had a renegotiation until now you know that's like that's like what 25 years or something right Mm -hmm. we're not going to do another renegotiation next year if we just approve the deal this year if his, if history is anything to go off of, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and Bernie Sanders, I think, correctly points out, it's not so easy to put together new trade legislation. If this is passed, I think it will set us back a number of years, which I think is, you know, <laughs> it's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Amy Klobuchar says, Brianne, I want to hit reality here. Okay, I serve on the Agriculture Committee, and I will never forget going to Crawfordsville here in Iowa. And thank you for bringing up Iowa, Brianne, since that is where we are. Um, And I went to this plant, and there was one worker left in that plant. That plant had been shut down because because of Donald Trump's trade policies and because of what he had done to those workers with – uh, giving secret uh, secret somethings to oil companies and ruining renewable fuel standards. Uh, that worker brought out a coat rack of uniforms, and he said, these are my friends. They don't work here anymore. And their names were embroidered on those uniforms. Derek, Mark, Salvador. And that guy started to cry. So this, <laughs> you'll have to drop her audio in there. It was a really strange and bizarre and kind of disjointed answer i thought i don't know mm. i'd like to fact check and see if those names on those uh uniforms actually were derek mark and salvador <laughs> but um yeah it's one of those things you can't check in the moment for sure so yeah <laughs> uh but she supports the usmca of course because she's a moderate okay mm-hmm. pete Buttigieg's i support the usmca i remember the betrayal of nafta uh, Joe Biden said, I don't know if there's any trade deal that the senator would think made any sense, but jump, jump, jump. Uh, sorry, dot, 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 Korean. Uh, so he's like saying, you know, Bernie Sanders is unreasonable. He's never going to agree to any trade deal. Mm-hmm. And Bernie Sanders responded, we lost four million jobs from NAFTA and permanent normalized trade relations with China. And then Biden responded and I wrote it down, but then I marked it out. I was like, eh, I think this is, you know. The back and forth, we have to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren said something. Buttigieg said something else. Uh, Steyer said, climate's my number one priority. Uh, and he, he seemed to go after Pete Buttigieg for, as a member of his children's generation. 
for not yeah. making climate change a higher priority, which was interesting, I thought. And mm-hmm. There was a little back and forth there, but it kind of didn't really didn't really turn into a moment, though. Yeah. Um, okay, well, all right, Bob. Uh, put on a diaper here, because this is where we get to the, the big moment of the evening, okay? <laughs> all right, okay, hold on. Let me like, Give me one minute. i got to prepare for this. i, I got to do something real you gotta, quick. Get your, Bob, don't really get a diaper. What? Oh, I'm not supposed don't, to. Don't actually grab a diaper. Don't tell me that because I have diapers in the house. So. Okay, it's a figure of speech. <laughs> I got multiple sizes. Different people wear different sizes. All right, we'll be there right back. There you go. We, we, we all have different needs. <laughs> One second. All right, diaper has been affixed. Go ahead. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've got an image of Donald Trump in my mind now. Oh, boy. We see him depicted so often wearing a diaper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So Senator Warren accused Sanders of st- uh, saying in December of 2018 that a woman couldn't be couldn't win the election. And um, and uh, the moderator, uh, Abby Phillips, you know, put, brings this question to Sanders and Bernie Sanders says, well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. And I don't want to waste a lot of time on this because this is what Donald Trump and maybe some of the media want. Anybody knows me knows that it is incomprehensible that I would think that a woman could not be president of the United States. Go to YouTube today. There's some video of me 30 years ago talking about how a woman could become president of the United States. In 2015, I deferred, in fact, to Senator Warren. There was a movement to draft Senator Warren to run for president. And you know what? I said, stay back. Senator Warren decided not to run. And I did. I did run afterwards. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States? Let me be very clear. If any of the women on this stage or any of the men on this stage win the nomination, and I hope that that's not the case. I hope it's me. But if they do, I will do everything in my power to make sure that they are elected in order to defeat the most dangerous president in the history of our country. Um, and so she says, Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. Correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman couldn't not win the election? Mm. <laughs> so and at, at this point, there's audible laughter from the crowd. Bernie Sanders is shaking his head in exasperation incredulously. And Warren says, I disagreed. So she doesn't she doesn't challenge the wording. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, of course, she doesn't challenge the wording. The question Bernie is my friend. I don't know. This is, uh, you know, this is one of those senatorial mm-hmm. games that they play where they, you know, my, you stick my, a knife my, my friend, my friend from the other side, meaning, yeah. a.k.a. the person I hate with every fiber of my body. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It, we got to Bob, you got to drop that quote in in uh, from season five of The Wire. Uh where the, they're they're giving a eulogy for one politician or something, the other one is, and he said, and he said, I he was a great guy. I really enjoyed working with him or something. And and Gus, uh, the newspaper man, says he feared and ma- he feared and hated me, and I merely wanted to see him dead or something like that. <laughs> it's kind of like this this kind of this clean language that they the, everybody's a friend in the Senate, right? Even when they're twisting the knife. So yep. So uh, I disagreed. Bernie is my friend. And I am not here to try and fight with Bernie. He's a friend. He's a friend, but he's a little bit sexist is what I'm saying, I guess. Right. 
Okay, so I disagreed. Bernie is my yeah. friend, and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. I don't want to fight with Bernie. Sorry, I can't even complete this without paraphrasing. I don't want to fight with Bernie. I just want to call him a sexist and let that kind of percolate in the national consciousness for a little bit. But I don't want to fight him. Unbelievable. Okay, I, I don't want, I'm not here to try to fight with Bernie. But look, this discussion about whether or not a woman can be president has been raised. I love the language there. Okay, it has been raised. Passive By voice. whom? Passive it's voice. been raised by you, Elizabeth Warren, in your campaign. Mm. Nobody else was talking about this. Mm. So it okay, but okay, but the issue has been raised, and it's time for us to attack it head on. I raised the issue, and now I'm going to attack the issue that I raised. Okay, mm. sorry, I, I, you'll have to drop the audio in here because I can't yeah. get through this thing without a million, whatevers. Um, mm. um, and I think the best way to talk about who can win is by looking at people's record. So can a woman beat Donald Trump? Look at the men on this stage. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. There's laughter from the audience at this point. The only people on this stage who have won every single election they've been in are the women. And then there's cheering from the audience. Amy and me. And the only person on this stage who has beaten an incumbent Republican any time in the past 30 years is me. And here's what I know. The real danger that we face as Democrats is picking a candidate who can't pull our party together or someone who takes for granted big parts of the Democratic constituency. We need a candidate who can excite all parts of the Democratic Party, bring everyone in and give every, everyone a Democrat to believe in. That's that's my plan. And that is why I'm going to win. <laughs> and there's applause. Uh, and then, you know. Normal. OK, a normal a normal de debate moderator at this point would say, OK, you've invoked Bernie's name in your response and you've you know thrown him under the bus. And now we're going to go back to Bernie and give him a chance to respond to what you just said. But that's not what Abby Phillip does. She says she goes, Senator Klobuchar. And Senator Klobuchar is still basking in the, the you know, the rah, rah, go girl womanhood of it all. And thank you. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth, she says. Senator Klobuchar, what do you say to Senator Senator Klobuchar? Let me finish my question because Senator Klobuchar is already trying to jump in. She's already got her answer ready to queued up and ready to go. What do you yeah. say to people who say that a woman can't win the election? This election. Okay, so again, we're we're responding to people who say this. So far, the only person we've established who said it is Elizabeth Warren. We haven't even established that Bernie Sanders actually said it. Mm. But like, what do you say to people who say that a woman can't win this election? And Amy Klobuchar gets gets her thing in here. Uh, I hear that. People have said it. That's why I've addressed it from this stage. I point out that you don't have to be the best person in the room, uh, the tallest person in the room. James Madison was five foot four inches, which is OK. This is a weird thing. This is a really OK. Bob, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't talk like a normal person at this point. This is a weird thing that I noticed in the previous debate. In, in basically in her opening statement, she already mentioned that James Madison was five foot four. <laughs> she mentioned that in the PBS debate, and she mentions that here in the CNN debate. So this is another one of those dumb little facts that she memorized. Is Amy Klobuchar really short? I don't like, know. I haven't noticed that, but is she like really short? Because she always mentions that there was a short person in, in American history. <laughs> James Madison. Okay. So he was five four. She mentions it again. 
Okay, so uh, I hear that. People have said it. That's why I've addressed it from this stage. I point out that you don't have to be the tallest person in the room. Jay Madison was five foot four. Uh, you don't have to be the skinniest person in the room, and you don't have to be the loudest person. You have to be competent. Okay, so now Amy Klobuchar is going to demonstrate competence for us. And when you look at the facts, Michigan has a woman governor right now, and she beat a Republican, Gretchen Whitmer. Okay, I'm not sure if Gretchen Whitmer is the uh, representative from uh, the governor of Michigan or if that's the Republican that she beat, but okay. Uh, Kansas has a woman governor right now, and she beat Chris Kobach, and her name is – I'm very proud to know her, and her name is um, – Governor Kelly, thank you. Third, I would add to this, you have to be a competent to win, and you have to know what you're doing. And what you look at what I and when you look at what I have done, I have won every race, every place, every time. I have won in the reddest of districts. I have won in urban areas and the rural areas. I've brought people with me. That is why I have the most endorsements of current Iowa legislators, former Iowa legislators in this race. And then at some point she she finishes up. But <clears throat> and then they say, uh, Senator Sanders, you can respond. And Sanders says, well, just to set the record straight, I defeated an incumbent Republican uh, running for Congress. And Elizabeth Warren chimes in there, interrupts him. Uh, when was that? When? And Bernie's like, he's been interrupted. and He's kind of like flustered. He's like, 1990. And Elizabeth Warren is visibly doing the math in her head. And he, Sanders continues, that's that's how I won. I beat a Republican congressman. The audience kind of laughs at this awkwardness. Number two, of course, he's continuing, and Warren says, 30 years ago, she interrupts him again. And Sanders says, I, I don't think there's any debate up here. And Warren says again, wasn't that 30 years ago? <laughs> and they both pause. They're both like, you know, her to, like, I think, check the math again, him just out of sheer exasperation with her or something. He says, I beat an incumbent Republican congressman. And she said, and I said, I was the only one who's beaten an incumbent Republican in 30 years. And Sanders says, well, 30 years ago is 1990, as a matter of fact. But I don't know that that's the major issue of the day. I think the major issue of the day is. And then um, he says, you know, whatever else he says. And then like and then finally, Abby Phillips says, Senator Warren, I want to give you the final word. And Elizabeth Warren says something else. Um, and that was it. Mm. So. All right. Wow. So a couple a couple of notes. All right. So uh, Amy Klobuchar is five feet eight, but she is also the shortest Democratic candidate on stage. Yeah. She's, so she's five she's feet a, eight, but she identifies as five foot four. Right. Sure. Yeah. That, she she feels like. Yeah, exactly. James Hamilton is her spirit animal. Uh, James Madison. Um, James. OK. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. I don't, I'm All right. Confused. So yeah. to the point about the dust up. OK, so you're right. CNN's framing of the questions was ridiculous. Uh, they didn't do a good job of uh, asking the questions and they didn't do a good job of the order of the questions. Um, how? OK, so I give Bernie Sanders all the credit for his answers. The one thing I would say, and I know why he couldn't say it because it wouldn't be politic to say it, is I think he didn't he didn't own this idea that a woman couldn't be president. And I'm not saying they can't, but I think people of good faith can disagree on whether or not a even if they think it should happen, 
a woman could mm. be elected given the amount of misogyny that we, you know, our patriarchal system, whatever you want to say. So I don't think that is a completely illegitimate debate. I don't think even if he said the thing that he's accused of saying, he was saying a woman shouldn't be president. I don't yeah. think that was the thing that was he was even being accused of saying. I know he denies mm. saying the thing that was said, but even if he had owned it, I don't think that's I think they're conflating should and could. And I think that's yeah. a little bit disingenuous because obviously, like you said, they're trying to paint him as a misogynist. And I have doubts, and I'm not somebody who wants to see only men be president, but I have doubts whether or not this country is ready for that. You know, obviously people were had the same debate before Barack Obama was elected. If a black yeah. man be we, we elect one or, black man, like they, yeah. they go full fucking fascist. Well, mm. What are they going to do if we actually elect a woman? <laughs> right? right. Or a gay <laughs> like, person. Or, yeah, you know what I mean? Like the it's, world. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. it's, What's it's the next not, step? It's not an insane thing to say or an impolic. You know, maybe maybe people don't want to hear even that question at this point. But, you know, yeah. uh, we, and, we live where we live. You know, we, this is the country we have to deal with. And I'm sorry, it's not the it's not an easy glide path to power if you're anything but a straight white man. It's just not. It's, yeah. it's, it's difficult. And that doesn't mean you have to think that it's OK or you like the status quo. But you can just say, look, I have doubts. You know, that's yeah. that's reasonable thing for people to say. Yeah, so. I I think like I mean, I, it's this is this is the problem, I think, with a lot of the, the kind of the overly woke kind of, you know, uh, politics on the left is. You know, you're you're put in the position of simultaneously believing that, like, for example, that race is a construct that doesn't exist. And yet race is the, you know, the primary determining factor in who should have a voice in debates about race or something. It's like, well, this person's of this this minority. And so they have more their words have more power or something like, you know, you're you're kind of like, you know, and I've, I'm pretty sure that I've even had the conversation with my mom before we were talking about 2016 at some point, And she's like. You know, this country is so sexist and that's why we couldn't have um, couldn't have Hillary Clinton in 2016. And I think that's why we need to support Elizabeth Warren in 2020. I'm like, Mom, if you're saying this is a sexist country that can't vote for a woman in 2016, why in the world would you run another woman in 2020 if you're just saying she can't win? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not. I'm not advocating one side or the other that I'm saying, like, it's logically inconsistent within your own worldview. If, if that's what you believe, then you'd be crazy to run another woman right now. So I think, like, non-sexist people on the left wing can have honest debates about whether or not a woman can win in 2020. I, I think they can. I think anybody could beat Donald Trump. Possibly. I think, like, you know there's a chance that this thing is just such an overwhelming blowout that it seems obvious from, you know, retrospectively to look back and say, well, of course he was obviously going to be beaten by anybody. But, um, I don't know. I just, I think like, you know, there's, there's absolutists on the left wing who said Bernie Sanders never said anything of the sort. I guarantee it. I'm hundred percent sure we weren't there. We don't know. But what I do know is that the way that Elizabeth Warren has tried to float this thing without saying what he actually said and without clarifying what any of the context around what he said was, is extremely disingenuous. Mm. I guarantee that. Mm-hmm. And I and frankly, I think it's in concert with the I think it's part of a concerted effort, you know, um, with Hillary coming out a few days ago and. All right, let's let's get into it. All right, so Hillary Clinton 
uh, is in a documentary that is on Netflix, I believe, about her mm-hmm. kind of retrospect of uh, the 2016 election. I haven't seen this yet. I don't even know if it's out. Um, but she said, do you have the quote? Unfortunately, I don't have the quote. You'll have to drop it in here maybe. But I think I don't if, know if it was, uh, yeah. Audio or not, but. Like, huh. Yes, I'm up. sorry. I, yeah, I don't have that one up up right off the hand, but <laughs> we're going to edit this in post, right, Bob? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> we always say we will. We never do. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I, I read it earlier, so I can paraphrase. So basically she said, uh, no one likes him. Uh, he doesn't work with anybody. He's only works with one senator. I don't know if she ever said who the one senator was that works with him. Um, yeah. So it was basically like just disparaging him. Oh, oh, and then she said that she might not, she hadn't decided whether or not she would support him if he won the nomination in the general election. Yeah. And then she walked that back later, but it's. Yeah. And she said, and she said something like she was really, uh, really, uh, what can we say? What's the word? She was really, um, not vindicative, but what can I say? Kind of like really, uh, coy about walking it back. Even she says, Oh, what's the problem? I thought all the Bernie people wanted me to speak like my truth or just say Nobody what I really think speak and... at all. Nobody wants you to talk, Hillary. Go in the woods again. <laughs> it, it's not even that. Like, you know, we would have appreciated your, you know, unvarnished opinion on things. I don't know. More Before. in 2016. I think, yeah, right, 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 right. And now, like now... and and not about your fellow Democrats, more about no. the Republicans. Yes. You know, it's like and not trying to I don't know, whatever. Um but but the thing is that when she did that, and then when I saw the stuff happening in the Daily Beast, so let oh my god, I, I I did a lot of homework for this podcast, Bob, and now I'm wishing I'd done even more because I wish I'd looked up the actual the three articles that I saw over the past couple of days in the Daily Beast, which um, uh, Chelsea Clinton actually sits on the board of the company that that owns the Daily Beast, and so wow. I'm not a conspiracist. I'm not a conspiracist here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or whatever. I don't try to suck my own cock like Steve Bannon, okay? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> call, call back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mooch. All right. Uh, sorry, I have a, I have, I have the exact quote. All right. Okay. Uh, going back to Hillary, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad. People got sucked into it. Yeah. Let me. In in the 1990s, when Hillary Clinton was trying to do her health care thing, and thank you for that, Hillary. That was a noble effort. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernie Sanders was in there advocating for it and supporting it, right? Mm-hmm. And you thanked him then. Mm-hmm. And at the debate in 2016, when you were debating Bernie, and Bernie says, you know, frankly, we're sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. You were laughing and clapping and cheering and saying, mm-hmm. thank you, Bernie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when Bernie went to how many did he do? Forty nine. How many how many how many um, rallies did he do for Hillary after she beat him in the 2016 thing? You know, all you know, this I mean, they're what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to run with this. They know that the Bernie bro was something that took off a little bit after 2016 that, you know, Bernie's a sexist or people who support Bernie are sexist. But what I'm what I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at this as unbiasedly as I can I'm looking at Bernie Sanders treating the women in politics very, very well, and the women turning around and stabbing him in the back and saying, see, he's he's not nice to women. Like, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders bent over backwards 
you know, to do good things for Hillary Clinton in 2016 mm-hmm. after she, you know, had finally nailed the coffin on his his campaign with, you know, with things like Donna Brazil, you know, passing her debate questions before the debate. You know, she lied, cheat and stole her way into that election. But once mm. she got it, he did more than most people thought that he should have done. To, I'm to looking see at her. a. Uh... A couple headlines from 2016, October 8th, 2016, Wall Street Journal, Bernie Pack schedule with campaign stops for Hillary Clinton. Uh, this mm. is from November 4th, 2016, and the New Yorker, Bernie Sanders' hard fight for Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah, go on and on. But yeah, I don't get this thing about how he didn't tell people to support her. He definitely did. Like, I, I yeah. was there. I, I, I remember. I was alive. And t- I was paying attention in 2016. He definitely campaigned for Hillary Clinton, even after all the shenanigans happened with the DNC and all that. So Yeah. And, you know, and I, I could see how a certain type of Democrat listening to this podcast would say, you know, gosh, Big Daddy Cha-Cha, you're so animated by this. Why is this animating you so much? It's like, look, I was a quote unquote Bernie bro in 2016, but I voted for Hillary. You know, when the chips were down, I sat there, I stared at the ballot for an hour, but I fucking wrote her name down and I voted for her. So everybody else can shut the fuck up. I'm sorry to say, like, (laughs) you know, I did my part. I've got I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I've got Hillary Clinton's living history hardcover on the shelf here. You know, I, you know. I, I'm not the sexist you're looking for, or whatever. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't even wait for the paperback. People, come on, cut him some slack. <laughs> I, I think I bought it at a used place years later. You're, you're undercutting your but, argument, child. Let him think you uh, bought it. You, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Day one, I was in line. I, she might have autographed it for me. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it was right, her. It looked like her. I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we took a selfie. No. <laughs> but 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 I'm saying, like, you know, Bernie Sanders did more for her, arguably than she did for Barack Obama in mm. 2008 when he beat her. You know, she they had the, the Pumas, the party unity, my ass people that did not vote for Barack Obama and in fact voted for John McCain in well, numbers that the Bernie bros did not defect in 2016. So well, as, as Rick Wilson Pollen pointed out when he appeared on the Rob Burgess show, he's the one that came up with the uh, Jeremiah Wright uh, ads. Uh, that information came from the Clinton campaign originally. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. As well as the the Barack Obama in traditional Kenyan dress, which oh, yeah. she floated oh, yeah. to make him yeah. look like a Muslim, right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, like she's not some innocent babe in the woods here, Mm-mm. okay? Mm-mm. So, and she had to and, know that this would happen when she made these comments too. I don't believe for a second that she didn't anticipate this kind of blowback. No, no, no. This is this is this is this is when I became aware. I think that what what um what Elizabeth Warren had done was not an isolated incident and whether, you know, Elizabeth Warren was, uh, you know, there, I've heard theories out there that she's angling for a vice presidential bid with, with, uh, with Joe Biden by handicapping Bernie right now. Cause I think it's pretty hard to see her being Bernie's vice presidential pick after this, after this thing. Right. Goodness. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. That's, but, but that's she, cons- she can read polls, too. I think she knows just as well as anybody that his supporters are her supporters and her supporters are his supporters. And one goes up, the other goes down. I think they know that. So I think that's true to some degree, although I think it is it, it, it's bizarre. But, I, you know, I think that the fact that I cited earlier that that, you know, Bernie's second Bernie's supporters, second choice is Biden and Warren's second choice is like Buttigieg or something. It's bizarre, but mm-hmm. but I think you know she knows that they're in the same lane. But you know, again, coming back to the fact that you know Bernie Sanders is very good to these women, but then they turn around and 
betray him and call it sexism. Like in, as he mentioned in 2015, he was part of the draft Warren thing. And when she didn't do it, he jumped in Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to steal votes from her if she was going to get in. And he wanted to support her if she was going to get in, she didn't get in. And when it came time to support the person who had deferred to her so much, she didn't do that. She endorsed Hillary Clinton, who does, who did not have much in common with her ideologically compared to Bernie. Mm. So, so riddle me that. And, you know, and then a couple months ago, when the big story in the news everywhere was that uh, Elizabeth Warren was jumping up and she was maybe in first place and Biden was falling back and Elizabeth Warren was jumping up. Did Bernie hit her with a negative news story? Did he try to kneecap her in the debates? No, they were still fighting back to back on that stage. You know, he was not he did not do anything to to slow her roll. Nothing like that. But now when she drops back down and then it's Buttigieg and then it's Biden again and now it's Bernie's turn. She's like, oh, wow. Yeah, we're getting close to Super Tuesday. This is the last chance, you know, and I've got to I've got to I got to, you know, I don't know what the logic even is, but it's like she turns around and tries to handy. She tries to kneecap him when he's having his moment. Mm-hmm. And I think it backfired on her. I think she realizes that now. And I think she's trying to, like, you know, tell her supporters to not play up this this fight but it's like it's kind of too late that that genie's out of the bag or whatever but mm, uh, yeah whatever <laughs> i know what you yeah, mean. kind of mixing metaphors but <laughs> but i mean in each case you know you can look at it as a sexism issue or something because it involves a man and a woman in each case but like you really got to look at like what did bernie do to them and what have they done to him <laughs> you know like he never did nothing to nobody and they're like stabbing him in the back left and right, left and right, left and right, and screaming about sexism. It's mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, getting, getting Amy Klobuchar in on the action too, for this, this kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's disgusting. So, okay. But I, but I had some more notes on this because, <laughs> you know, Elizabeth Warren got all pedantic about uh, 30 years I'm the only Democrat in the last 30 years to unseat a Republican incumbent, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and and look at the women on the stage. Look at the men on the stage. The men between them, they've lost 10 elections, but the women have never lost anything. Okay, so this is where I got – I went deep because I had questions about this. Because I know Elizabeth Warren's only been in the Senate since, like, what, 2012? Mm. Okay, so she's had two elections. And God bless, she won both of them. Good for her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Klobuchar joined the Hennepin County Attorney. She was the Hennepin County Attorney between 1998 and 2002, which I think would be two elections. Mm-hmm. And she joined the United States Senate in 2006 and had re-elections in 2012 and 2018. And she won all of them. And God bless, good for her, right? Mm-hmm. So the women, the women on the stage had seven, seven elections. They won seven elections. Good. Now we go to the men on the stage. Number one, Stayer, I don't think he's run for anything, so he hasn't won anything. He hasn't lost anything. So zero. You know, Pete Buttigieg, in 2010, he ran to be the treasurer of Indiana, but he lost. Yeah, ran against Richard um, Murdoch, the uh, legitimate rape guy that eventually lost to uh, Joe Donnelly. Oh, oh well, we're really kind of – time oh, with yeah. a flat circle, Bob. Absolutely. Kyle comes back around. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, in 2011, he won for he ran for South Bend mayor and he won. Mm. Um, in 2017, he was in the runnings for the Democratic National Committee chair, but he withdrew. I guess it looked like he was going to lose, so I guess that counts as a loss. But in 2018, he was reelected, and during his time as South Bend mayor, he also did a tour in Afghanistan, I believe. It was it was while he was the mayor or something. So, so anyways, uh, Pete Buttigieg has two wins and two losses. Okay. Um, Joe Biden. Okay, Joe Biden. Obviously, now we're getting into longer histories here. Uh, between 1970 and 1972, he served as the Newcastle City Council member. Um, so I think that that would be I don't know one or I think that might be one or two wins. I'm not sure. Um, between 1973 and 2009, he served in the Senate, where he won six elections, uh, re-elections as senator. Um, in 1987 and 2008, he had two failed presidential bids, so that was two losses, right? So, so jo- Joe Biden had seven or eight wins and two losses, mm-hmm. depending on how you count the Newcastle City Council member thing, whether that was one or two elections. So, so Biden, out of out of out of t- nine or ten elections, he lost twice. You know, going back to 1973, and now Bernie Sanders. Let's see, uh, Bernie. From 1981 to 1989, he was the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. Um, From 1991 to 2007, he was a member of the House of Representatives. And from 2007 to 2020, now he's been a senator. Okay. Um, In the 1970s, he ran for office four times on the Liberty Union Party ticket. Okay. And I think he lost those four. And that was before he became the mayor. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. He, okay, sorry. I, I, I took meticulous notes here. So in the 1970s, he had four losses in the 1980s. He had four wins and two losses when he ran for higher office as an independent twice in the 1980s. But from then on in 1990, he won in November 6, 1990, he defeated incumbent Peter Plimpton Smith, Republican, to become the Vermont's U.S. representative. Okay, that was an okay. So now that was on November 6, 1990. And I'm gonna I'm gonna definitively do the math for Elizabeth Warren here, okay? Because she was <laughs> sitting there trying to figure out whether 2020 to 1990 that's 30 years, right? It's been 30 years. You haven't you haven't de- defeated an incumbent for 30 years. Um, she's saying this on January what? January 14th, 2020. Um, Bernie Sanders actually defeated this guy on November 6, 1990, which is late 1990. Elizabeth Warren's talking early 2020. So actually, if you want to be technical about it, it's closer to 29 years since mm. he defeated an incumbent. It wasn't actually 30 years. 30 years would have been if it was all the way in November 2020, but it's not. Yeah. It's January. So, 30 is a nice round number, though, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Even by her pedantic bullshit math, she's wrong. <laughs> you know, she's like, um, you know, it's very cute to say, oh, I'm the only one here who's defeated an incumbent Republican in the last 30 years. Like 30 years is just such a random number. It's such a pedantic thing to do. And then to get into a back and forth where you're interrupting Bernie and stuff, trying to tell him, no, it's been it's 30 years, 30 years. Right. Wrong, Elizabeth. Actually, it's 29. It's closer to 29. Was that a sneak dig at Pete, too, because you can get 30 in there instead of saying 20 something and remind him that he's in his and he's in his 30s? Yeah, probably so. (laughs) That's probably what it was. And and Bernie didn't take office until 1991. So Mm. so. But anyway, so, yeah. 
So he lost four times in the 1970s, which is really kind of at the very beginning of his his political career. Um, He lost two higher runs in the 1980s when he was already serving as the mayor and he didn't lose his mayorship. So he was still serving as the mayor that whole time. But by my calculation, he he won. He won in 1990. He won again in 1992, 1996, 2000, 2004, 2006, 2012, and 2018. So by my calculation, Bernie has had um, six or seven losses. Um, If you uh, and I I even threw, I gave her one more. I gave I gave her one more loss, which was the 2016 presidential. Uh, campaign which he lost because if we're going to count if we're going to count joe biden's losses of presidential election then um we should i guess we can count bernie's too so i would say bernie lost six times but he won 11 times going back to the 1970s okay mm-hmm. so by my calculation um of the four men on stage and the two women on stage the four men three of them have run for election before and of that they've won 20 out of 30 times that they've run the two women on stage have won seven out of seven times. But my point is, you know, when Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar have been in office for as long as, as these guys have, and the, and they've tried to assume as many different, you know, they may say, okay, we're senators now. We don't have to go any higher than that except for president. But I guarantee you, you know, after 2019, after 20, after 2019, one of them at least is going to have a loss on her record and probably both of them. Mm. Right. So this is the last year that Elizabeth Warren can trot out that stat that she's never lost anything in her whole life. <laughs> and, right. Well, I think another thing we have to remember is that Bernie did all that while, you know, 2016 presidential election aside while being an independent or a third party candidate. So, yeah, not a bad record for somebody who's party. yeah, not a bad record for somebody who's running outside the political mainstream. You know, usually that's a zero. It's an O and whatever the number of election is record. But he's managed to do way better than almost any other uh, third party or independent candidate that I'm aware of. So. Yeah. Yeah. When when Elizabeth Warren has won, you know, 17 for 17 or 18 for 18 of her of her elections running for different positions, not just holding the same incumbent spot the whole time, then she can talk about it. And and the other thing is, you know, yeah, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden were back there losing elections. And, and you know, back when Elizabeth Warren was a Republican. Mm. So, yeah. You know, good for you, Elizabeth Warren. You decided at some point in 1998 to become a Democrat. And then, you know, years later, you know, over 14 years later, you decided to run for election office and you haven't lost since then. These guys have been in the trenches for, you know, 40 years, Mm. something like that, 50 years almost. Right. Mm. Like running for things. So, you know, it's it's cute. It's very cute to, you know, and I think she had a line in the uh, PBS debate where they're like, Elizabeth Warren, you would be the oldest person to be running for president or something if you were inaugurated or something. And she's like, yes, but I'd be the youngest woman. Okay, that's cute. (laughs) But it's really avoiding the question of, you know, how old is too old, you know, and maybe it's not a fair question, but it's like it's again, it's like it's too cute, too cute by half, I would say. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's like this kind of thing like, oh, well, I'm the only one to defeat an incumbent in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you defeated an incumbent, but that was like 29.8 years ago, not 30, but it, it, it's just too cute. It's too cute by half. And like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, me and the women on stage, we've won all of our elections, but these guys are losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they've been doing this about four times as long as you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, they've lost a couple in those times. Right. And you're about to lose one, too, this year. So, you know, have some humility or something. Jesus. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's like you can't it, – it's like she couldn't say that without putting them down in the in the offing, you know, and that was, that was upsetting. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, that was – that was my whole tangent about a couple of her arguments there about about the women winning all their elections and about, you know, uh, and about the 29, the 30 year thing where she tried to ding Bernie on the 30 years thing. Um, it's just it's exasperating. It, it's a it's a little political word game that, frankly, I don't I, I think is below someone like Bernie Sanders, you know, mm-hmm. and and frankly, I don't know. Well. I'm thinking about I think like Joe or Pete Buttigieg is really good with words, but I still think, you know, he does play these games a little bit sometimes too, kind of mm-hmm. differentiating himself. But mm-hmm. anyways, it was a, it, totally exasperating. I, I spent a lot of a lot more time than I should have, like on Ballotpedia and Wikipedia, just getting all these things, getting all this, <laughs> these facts backed up and everything. Uh-huh. But that's what that's the full story on that. Right. <sighs> OK. And I'm not sure how much how much competition Amy Klobuchar had for the Hennepin County attorney position in 1998 to 2002, but I'm not sure. We'll let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure the people in Hennepin County know at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that was that was most of the thing between Bernie and Warren. Um, Yeah. Then Joe Biden said, um, I agree. Women can win. And I went in and campaigned for them. Twenty seven of them this last twenty eighteen. The best group I've ever campaigned for, the competence. But the real issue is who can bring the whole party together and jump, jump, mm-hmm. jump, you know, et cetera. Like, um, but but again, you know, Joe Biden has got this kind of like this, you know, sexist uncle kind of thing going on where he's like, you know, yeah, the women won, but it was because I helped them. Right. Yeah. I campaigned for them. It's like, you know, you didn't you didn't build that until yeah. Elizabeth did, Warren. Two you did a good job. Like, yeah, you did a good yeah, job. I got you those votes. I got you those votes in the Senate. You know, <laughs> you did a really good job with your job. Thank you. Uh, like, I mean, like everybody's trying to call Bernie Sanders a sexist when like Joe Biden is just, you know whatever yeah i see and i noticed this about bernie sanders is kind of a meta comment you know and they're always like are you gonna pay for that bernie and they're always hitting them with these things it's like i think i think he gets it worse because he does seem genuine and they're like always trying to find these little points where they can get around him you know to be not genuine but it would like trump says like you know oh we're gonna give you health care gonna be beautiful Better than anything. No one's like, how are you going to pay for that? How's that going to work? Because they know mm-hmm. he's like full of it. They know he's never going to come through. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. But it's like Bernie's like trying to make this happen and he's trying to be uh, good faith about it. But then they're always like nitpicking because they actually believe that he's going to, you know, I think his like that's where his authenticity comes back onto him because then people are trying to like, you know, nitpick every detail uh, because they know he's serious about it, you know, and somebody who's just bluster gets to say whatever well, they want and nobody challenges on them the you know well, to some degree although I, I would say to that like i think like i think bernie tends to say exactly you know he'll give you a direct answer like you know how are you going to pay for it well we're going to raise taxes on the millionaires and the billionaires yeah. and the you know and this and then this and this is where that the lack of uh, lack of direct authenticity for elizabeth warren came in like when they a couple debates ago, when, you know, when Buttigieg was coming after her, like she's not saying how she's going to pay for it and stuff. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, at least Bernie's going to tell us that he's going to raise our taxes. Like she right. won't say it. And so they kept trying to mm-hmm. come back to her and trying to get her to say she was going to raise taxes. And mm-hmm. I said at the time, like, I don't particularly blame her for avoiding that. 
you know, right. Bernie Sanders, he's a glutton for punishment. He's just going to say, yeah, we're going to raise your taxes. And, yeah. you know, he'll take the beating that comes with that. Not mm -hmm. e not every politician necessarily has the Constitution where they want to put themselves in that position. I don't blame her for that. But but again, I think that that's a point where that that bluntness and that directness and that willingness to say it is is actually beneficial for him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, oh. yeah. Um, and. You know, finally, at the end, I mean, do you want to do it at the end or do you want to do it right now with the uh, the, hand, the no handshake? I would talk about it right now. It's fine. Go ahead. Okay, so at the end of the debate, well, originally, when we watched the debate, we saw Bernie Sanders approach Elizabeth Warren, hand out, extended for a handshake, and she wouldn't take it. And then he threw his two hands up, too, and then they backed away from each other looking pretty frustrated and stuff. Mm. Um, we did for, for a couple of days there, we didn't really know what had happened, but it didn't look good. And then CNN, you know, miraculously found the uh, audio. They had some backup mm -hmm. mics hooked up, and I'm sure Bob can drop the audio in here. But, um, yeah, uh, Elizabeth Warren, well, I tell you what. Hold on one second, Bob. Here, edit this part. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something 3D in real time. Hold on one second. Okay, Bob, what I just did is I took a photo of my uh, written down section of the dialogue here that went on between them, and we can, we can actually act this out for our audience here. Because I sent it to you on Facebook, okay? <laughs> okay, so hold on a sec. Hold on. Do, you, do you want to be Warren or do you want to be Sanders? And we can kind of like, we can rock, paper, scissors for Stare. <laughs> However you want to do it. All right, I'm loading it now. Hold on a sec. I can be, uh, I can be Warren. That's fine. Okay. Seems very uh, comfortable I think I... speaking for Bernie there, Cha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we could do it. We, we should do it both ways, and we'll just see which who who can who can get the voices better each time. Only okay, so you're gonna be Warren. <laughs> uh -huh. If only we had some women here to read the women part. All right. <laughs> come all script right. Ash. Yeah, she's she's in the shower. All right. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. No handshake. It says. All right. And uh, Warren, I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national TV. You know, let's not do it right now. You want to have that discussion? We'll have that discussion. Anytime. You called me a liar. You told me. All right. Let's not do it right now. I don't want to get in the middle of it. I just want to say hi, Bernie. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> it's like not now time stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That, I think that was pretty good. Okay. Let's, let's try it. Let's try it the other way. Okay. <laughs> Easy start. <laughs> This is this is this is content gold for our audience here. I know this is what they wait for. Bob, it's Oscar seasons right now, isn't it? I, uh, I think we're outside Golden the Globes window or of something. consideration. Yeah, but go ahead. Maybe we'll be in consideration next year. Yeah. I think you called me a liar on national TV. What? I think you called me a liar on national TV. You know, let's not do this right now. You can have that discussion. We'll have that discussion. Anytime. You called me a liar. You told me. All right, let's not do it right now. I don't want to get in the middle of it. I just want to say, hey, Bernie. Yeah, good. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Um, now, there's been a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories flung about as far as, um, you know, was this, uh, what can we say? Was this, did, did Elizabeth Warren plan this? Did CNN intentionally set up the microphones to, to catch this moment? Did she, you know, provoke him after the debate to get this thing? 
I don't know. I don't know if I, <clears throat> I don't really know if I go in for all that. I, I think she was probably just pissed off at him for some reason, for something he said during the debate. And maybe, you know, maybe she honestly believes he said what she thinks he said, or that he meant what she is implying that he meant by it. And so she's just, you know, honestly, righteously indignant that he's denying it now and not allowing himself to be smeared as a sexist. And so she's been she's had her blood boiling for the last hour and a half or whatever that the debate was going on that, you know, she couldn't she just couldn't wait to confront him and challenge him on this. And and so I can understand that. But at the same time, she has to know that, you know, you're still on stage. People are going to see when you don't shake hands with this guy. And you said, you know, Bernie Sanders is my friend. I don't want to come up here and fight with Bernie. Then you shake the motherfucker's hand. OK, that's what you do. I don't know. Right. I mean, I think you're still on the debate stage, still mic'd up. I think you got to know yeah. that. Now, yeah. I again, yes, yes, you're mic'd up, but I would not say that she should have necessarily expected the audio to be released later because that's never happened to my knowledge. I don't know that we've ever had in, in history, we've ever had a situation where, you know, people were hot mic'd at the end of the debate, what they were saying after they were all shaking hands and getting off stage. So that that part's unprecedented, but. Just well, Bernie Sanders seemed to have, have good sense not to not to talk about it there. I think he he at least knew what was up. Uh, so I don't yeah. think it was totally inconceivable. He at least knew that this was a possibility of like getting out. Yeah, I just I I don't I would love to, I, I I just want to know what she's thinking. I, sometimes I wonder. Like I, I I wonder, you know, on the woke left. Sometimes I feel like like there's this. There's this this idea that you can call people racist or sexist and that they're not supposed to be upset about that. Like or that you can say like somebody has white privilege, even whether they feel like they've had any privilege in their life or not, and they have to accept it and, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of prostrate themselves or wait, that's not right, is it? No, I think you got it. Okay, not. Oh, I was worried. I said prostate. I thought I heard prostrate, but. Good, good. Okay. Because that'd be really uncomfortable if I said the other word. It also, you know, <laughs> women don't have a prostate, though. So, you know, still kind of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, it, like, I don't know. What does she think? Like, the implication here is that Bernie Sanders is a sexist because he said this. That's the only possible implication anybody could take away from this. Mm-hmm. She knows that's what she's saying about him. What does she think? he? How does she think he should take that? Mm. Honestly. Like, mm-hmm. how should he accept that? You know, right. like, mm-hmm. why should he accept that? Why should he, you know, you're, frankly, you're lucky he's coming up to even shake your hand. My mm-hmm. God, if if anybody should be avoiding a handshake, it might be him. Mm-hmm. But he has the good sense that the optics of this are, you know, such as they are. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I know we don't always have like we don't have really names of these episodes or something. But like I was thinking like. You know, the subtitle of this episode could be like uh, the, you know, the uh, I don't know, the uh, the centrist Democrats strike back or something kind of like <laughs> that, you know, or, you Star know, Wars. yeah, or, you know, the mainstream Democrats try to rat fuck Bernie, <laughs> which is a word that I, I, I don't like to say that or whatever on the podcast, but it's like a word that just kept popping up into my head the way that they've been going after the guy. Mm hmm. And yeah, so, notice, and so, notice this is all happening just days before the Iowa caucuses, you know what I mean, where yeah. polls are showing him pulling away, you know, it's like, 
could this not have come out? You know what I mean? This Hillary Clinton statement, this dust up with Elizabeth Warren. I, we didn't mm-hmm. even get to it, but the thing about Joe, uh, Joe Rogan uh, endorsing Bernie and that blowing yeah. up. It's like all this stuff is like happening now. Why do you think? Of course, it's because it's like right before the first votes are about to be taken. Yeah. So. And and the, 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 the thing the thing that I, I just can't believe I mean, there's there's two there's two questions like there's two um, two possibilities for Elizabeth Warren. Number one, she's I don't know what the word is like naive or something, or like, or she's just not like she has to know this is not going to redound to her benefit. This is going to redound to Joe Biden's benefit if anybody's. Hmm. So, number one, if she actually believes in all the stuff that she and Bernie Sanders supposedly share, then she should be happy that either he or she is the front runner. But that's never the case. Right. You know, when Bernie Sanders is running against Hillary Clinton, she sides with Hillary Clinton. When Bernie Sanders is finally pulling ahead of Joe Biden after she took the lead and fell back behind, she wants to fuck Bernie Sanders so that he falls back out of the lead again and Joe Biden can reclaim it. Right yeah. before the first incredibly important uh, election. Yeah. Well, I, the, the other thing is, too, is like I respected both of them, actually, for having this non-aggression pact where they didn't go at each other. And, yeah. You know, they had their shared ideals and they were going to fight for those ideals over like which one of us. But now that it's getting close to the, you know, votes, it's like she's getting squirrely about it. And he's still on his. You, I, I believe that he would have kept on his non-aggression pact. But it, but for this, you know, because no. I know he would have, because when she took the lead, he didn't try to screw that up for her a couple Mm -hmm. like a month or two ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when Mm -hmm. she took the lead over Joe Biden and she was having her moment, he wasn't leaking stories through his staff about her, about how, Mm -hmm. you know, she did this or she did that. He didn't try to do anything like he has never not tried to advance Elizabeth Warren's career. Mm -hmm. And even when that's for the presidency, which he also has some desire for, Mm -hmm. he has never not tried to advance her career. And two times in a row now, you know, the 2016 thing, a lot of Bernie bros were like, you know, fuck Elizabeth Warren. You know, she Mm -hmm. screwed him over. She betrayed Bernie Sanders and stuff. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe, 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 maybe the writing was already on the wall with the Clinton thing. I was ready to, you know, move past that. But now for her to do this again in 2019. Yeah. In 2020. Uh, Yeah, there's there's another line of attack against Bernie voters that i think is totally ridiculous where it's like oh but see there's such a big percentage of his voters that won't vote for anybody but bernie i'm like okay that that proves two things all right proves one thing that the democratic party as a whole is completely out of touch with its base and he's the only one speaking to their interests secondly Mm -hmm. it's like uh maybe he is able to reach out to people that the democratic party had no chance of getting but for him it doesn't yeah. speak to him trying to, to, you know, put a wedge between the, and I think it's the party and. and its base. It's, it's, yeah, I think, exactly. yeah, I think it's, it's both and. So that, that line of attack makes no sense to me. And it's like if you just stick with the people who already agree with you, you're not going to win this election. You have to reach out to people who might not be as woke or as, you know what I mean? Like they agree on these issues that he's putting forward and he's trying to get people coalesced around a big idea. Mm-hmm. And it's going to include people that Democrats haven't gotten been able to penetrate before. Isn't that a plus? Don't Why are you making that into a negative? So. Yeah, I'm always trying to get people I haven't been able to penetrate before. 
<laughs> Cut. Just... <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Leave it in or edit it out. I don't know. I this don't is a family this program, Chef. Family program. <laughs> this is going to rat fuck my uh, future oh, presidential boy. candidacy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Last but, episode um... of the Rob Burgess show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, like, that's that's the difficult thing is, like, okay, like, I've got a friend over here in Korea. And he's a he's a good guy. He's a good Bernie guy and stuff. We both we talk about it and stuff. And his dad, his dad was also a big Bernie guy in 2016. But now, like, his dad seems kind of like like he's more on the. Well, his dad can't stand, you know, Hillary Clinton for some reason and stuff, which, you know, and his dad's also taught. I think his dad actually voted for Trump in 2016. He was going to vote for Bernie, but he voted for Trump. Okay, and now he wants to vote for Bernie, but he also wants to he'd rather vote for Tulsi Gabbard. Okay, now that that's very frustrating. I'd love to interview the man <laughs> just kind of get <laughs> to the bottom of that. All. Exactly. <laughs> but but the thing is, this is a Trump voter and love him or hate him or agree with him on other issues or not. He would have voted for Bernie mm-hmm. and he's and he probably still would. You know, so don't blame don't blame Democratic Bernie bros, quote unquote, for their behavior when what you're also talking about is a section of the Democratic or not even the Democratic electorate, but the electorate that would vote for Bernie or they would vote for Donald Trump. But they're not going to vote for a mainstream politician. Mm -hmm. And so don't don't blame all Bernie bros for those people. You know, those people are out of the wheelhouse, but Bernie gets them for some reason. Okay. So well, don't yeah, look a gift yeah. horse in the mouth. Take it. Right, we can exactly. get those votes. We can peel off those votes. Take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exa- ex- yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and I, you know, I'll say one thing for Trump's Trump supporters. I get why they're mad. Like I, I don't understand why they picked him. I think he is a ridiculous con man and should have been evident from the beginning. But I get why they're fed up with the system. The system is rigged, as he said. But obviously, he wasn't the person I think they should have gone towards. But Bernie is appealing to those people. He is saying the same things on that issue that Trump is. Mm-hmm. Now, the, of course, the different there's many differences, like you know, the fact that one's uh, an insane fascist and the other's not. But you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah. you know, they're, 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 to, they're, they're both, they're both like... identifying the same problem or the same deficiency that the Democratic Party. They've left themselves open to this. They've totally turned themselves, they've turned their back on their traditional base, uh, organized labor, you know, all this stuff. You know, they, they've turned their back. They've, they've They've supported mm-hmm. these free trade agreements that have sent all these, uh, you know, jobs overseas. They've, you know, they've, tur- they've, uh, yeah. you know, go down the line. It, you know what I mean? And by the so. way, Bob, it's hilarious to watch these people who who did vote for stuff like NAFTA and who did mm-hmm. fuck over organized labor to now be saying to Bernie Sanders in 2019, 2020, oh, we can't have universal, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Medicaid for all, right. Medicare for all, because what about the poor unions who gave up? increased wages to get medical benefits instead. Mm. Now, these people who fuck to organized labor are on the side of organized labor against Bernie Sanders. Mm. It's, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. So, so. yeah, there's there's a lot to say there. Definitely. All right, well, mm. uh, let's let's move on with the debate cuz I got to we got to keep moving. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob, all right. Progressives, we're always going towards the future, okay. That's right, we're never never always forward, never back. <laughs> yeah, always up, never down, yep. and always spiraling, spiraling, spiraling towards freedom. How, how does that Kong and Kong or whatever from The Simpsons? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> if, if you can drop that audio in here, that'd be awesome, Bob. You know, Disney owns that. I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you, you know, make it like chopped and screwed or something. <laughs> it's risky. We must go forward, not backward, upward, not downward, and always spiraling, spiraling, spiraling towards something. I forget. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, uh, oh God. We must move know, forward, man. not backward, up, upward, not forward, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's such a great episode. I love that. Yeah. Miniature yeah. American flags for some abortions or other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were some great, great lines. Definitely great lines. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, okay. We're on, we're on page six. Okay. Oh, so wow. a lot of pages okay. were consumed by that. Yep. And I'm happy to say page 12 is now gone because we, we did that one first. So, all right. So we're, we're on page six out of 11 here. We're, we're moving steadily. All right. Healthcare was our next topic. And there was a lot to say about healthcare. There were some interesting things in here, I would say. All right. Um, and this is another one of these, these questions. Mr. Sanders, don't you owe it to voters to tell them how much uh, Medicare for all will cost? Uh, and Bernie Sanders says something like Medicare for all is cheaper than the status quo. Um, and then she turns, and this is again, this is Abby, uh, Abby Phillip. She turns to Biden and says, Mr. Biden, doesn't Mr. Sanders owe the voters an explanation? <laughs> and he says, I think we have to be candid with voters. Um, and he's advocating o Obamacare with a buy-in. Um, Klobuchar, I don't agree with Bernie's position on health care. This debate isn't real. I was in Vegas the other day and oh. someone said, don't put your chips on a number on the wheel that isn't even on the wheel. Nobody said that. <laughs> That's the problem. Nobody said that. <laughs> and then she seems to imply that other Democrats don't support it, like governors or conservative Democrats don't support Medicare for all. Then she says, I have a plan for that. So she's like she's stealing Elizabeth Warren's yep. line. I know. Um, yeah. My own dad, I know when his long-term care insurance ends and then we have savings for him, we have some savings for him. He's in assisted living. Uh, he got married three times, whole nother story. So <laughs> there isn't much there. But then we go to Medicaid and I have already, and at this point, the, the moderator is like, thank you. Uh, I have already talked to Catholic elder care. They are willing to take him in. Our story is better than so many other families. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. What in the world was this? Like, what was she on about? Like something about Vegas, something about don't put your chips somewhere. And then something, I have a plan for that. And then my dad talking about my own dad, my dad, my dad has this situation and blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay. Whatever. I, you know, my mom is like leaning towards Klobuchar and I'm like, oh no, mom. No. I don't know. I think... I don't know. It's 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 exasperating. OK, so that was that. Um, moving along. Then Warren says, reduce the cost of prescription drugs, defend the Affordable Care Act. I've got to I've got a plan to expand health care. Um, we're all better than Trump on health care on this stage. 
Okay, so this this seems to be kind of like a rear guard defense or something due to the fact that she's walked back things on Medicare for All and said that, you know, she wasn't going to do it all the first year. It might be the third year before she gets to it or something. But but then, you know, she's able to say, well, everybody on stage, we're all kind of like the same. We're all we, we're all better than, you know, Trump, at least. So, you know, don't criticize me too much for not going as far as Bernie on health care. Um, and defend the ACA, defend the Affordable Care Act. So, again, it's it's more about trying to perpetuate the Affordable Care Act rather than going to Medicare for all right mm-hmm. now. So. Yeah. Um, Biden says Obamacare expanded with the Biden option. Interesting. <laughs> Which Brand, sounds like some branded. Little, branded. Yeah, yeah. So he, he talked about like Great. a couple of things like, oh, negotiating and prescription drug prices, you know, just just, you know, some little, you know, buzzwords around the edges, things that you 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 say you want to do them now. But maybe, you know, two or three years later, you can't really get around to them or there's some pushback from the Republicans and it doesn't really get done. But, you know, you won the campaign. So um, I don't know. I don't believe that Biden is serious about fighting for any of those things. No. Um. Stayer said, we've had this conversation too many times, which is also something I agree with. I'm sick of them rehashing the healthcare stuff every single debate mm-hmm. when people don't change that much, except for except for Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. But then Stayer said, I agree with Biden, which is kind of like, eh, OK, Stayer, uh, you know, you've, you've been getting me a lot here up until this point. Nah, I don't know about that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was another question from Abby William. She's or uh, Abby Phillips. She said, "Hold on one second. I'm dropping my papers." She said, "Senator Sanders, your compa- your campaign proposals would double federal spending over the next decade, an unprecedented level of spending not seen since World War One. How would you keep your plans from bankrupting the country?" <laughs> Jesus, whoa! <laughs> you know. You're at an 11. I need you to take it down to about a six. Okay. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> like, I want to like, I want to check this Abby Phillips person's like Facebook and just see how much attack she's getting from Bernie bros, quote unquote, and, and consider how many more attacks she actually should be getting than what she probably actually is. <laughs> like, like consistently, repeatedly throughout this thing, she launched the, the, the conversations by, you know, there there was a line. There's a line in Bob. I, you know, I wish our show had more like audio drop ins from like shows and stuff. There's a there's a line from Mad Men. I forget which season. I don't know the episode. and I don't remember the context. And he said um, he said, I have a question and there's no other way to phrase it than as an accusation mm. or, or it's something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to ask you a question and there's no other way to phrase it than as an accusation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was kind of her philosophy when it came to, you know, approaching Bernie Sanders at any point in the debate. Mm-hmm. So um, Bernie Sanders just restated the benefits of the Medicare for all. Amy Klobuchar is, says, if you want to be practical and progressive at the same time and have a plan and not a pipe dream, you have to show that you're going to how you're going to pay for it. And I and yet and yes, I think you should show how you're going to pay for things. Bernie, I do. Um, This president is treating people out there like poker chips in one of his bankrupt casinos. We're back to the the poker thing, her Mm. recent Vegas trip or whatever, Um, (laughs) the way he's adding to the debt. Um, I'm the one person with a plan to start taking on the deficit, Um, taking part of that money from from that corporate tax cut and putting it in a fund to pay back the deficit. Oh, boy. Thank you, Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> this will truly inspire the Democratic electorate. 
let's yeah. start figuring out how we're going to repay the deficit. How we're going to, yeah. you know, cut the deficit, repay the debt. Yeah. Um, See, and yeah, that's what we should yeah. do after four years of Trump, you know, rat fucking the country's economy by like, you know, giving these massive, you know, spending for everything and then paying for nothing with taxes. Uh, yeah, let's be the Democratic Party again that comes back in and saves it, save the country's ass by, you know, cutting spending and raising taxes mm-hmm. and being, you know, we're going to make the American people eat their vegetables again. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just uh, I, I, I just I see the problem is I can't criticize Amy Klobuchar without sounding like a sexist, but I just I can't. I don't like listening to her talk. She is, and she makes me insane. She like always Whoa, gets. She, Whoa. she has careful. I know. I know. We're, we're on she thin ice this, right now. She has this. She has this cadence where she's always leading towards something. Like you think she's going to make some big, rousing uh, speech, but she it always just like fizzles out into nothing. Like it's always like she stumbles over her words, or she forgets what she was going to say, or she mixes her metaphors with like these like casino things. It's like the wheel on the wheel and the the point and uh, the person's name I can't remember it, and then it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, just stop. Like this is why you're the centrist because you don't believe in anything. You just believe in the status quo. You just want to like get people over that you think are like in the middle of the country but you're you know totally not excited yeah, i don't know she's just no. crazy. yeah we're we're from the middle of the country and we are not impressed no, <laughs> you know absolutely and, and guess what republicans from where we where we're from aren't impressed either they're not yeah. you're not going to suddenly be like oh gosh this amy klobuchar she's making sense you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah yeah so yeah and like and I, at first when she was talking about this i'm the one person with a plan to start taking on the debt um, taking part of that money from the corporate tax cut and putting it in a fund to pay back the deficit. I had like, at this point, I just about put my head through the wall. Cause I was trying to figure out what she was saying. I was like, what money from the corporate tax cut? There's no money from the corporate tax, but because we didn't tax them, they got yeah. the money. <laughs> like, the so what are you talking about? We're going to take the money from the corporate tax cut and pay back the deficit. Like, and then I thought about it for a while and I'm like, Oh, okay. So she means we're not going to give them, we're going to rescind the corporate tax cut, right? I think, I think this is what she means is that we're not going to do the corporate tax cut anymore. Although she didn't say she's going to raise taxes on anybody, which seems to be the implication. But I guess, you know, and I'm being way too generous because I'm having to, I'm having to do double black flips of logic to figure out what she was actually trying to say, which is that we're going to raise taxes on corporations and then we're going to take that money not give, you know, Medicare for all of the people, not give free college to everybody in America, you know, nothing like that. No, we're going to pay down the deficit that the Republicans have run up for the past four years. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Amy Klobuchar. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> right. Not interested. Uh, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. you can edit part of that if you want. To. <laughs> but but it's like I was having, to, you know. She, it wasn't clear what she was saying at first. I was trying to figure out what money from the tax cuts. There's no money there. The government doesn't have that money. And then I realized, oh, she means she's going to raise the taxes on these companies. She's such a centrist. She can't even say she's going to raise co- taxes on companies, not, not even like talking about the middle class or the upper class or the, you know, the 1% of the 1% of the 99% or whatever. Like she can't even go in one of those things. She won't even say that she's going to raise taxes on companies. That's how much of a centrist she is. So, Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad or whatever that she was able to win her, you know, five elections back wherever she is from and stuff, Hennepin County, whatever. But I don't I think she's in for a rude awakening on the national stage that, you know, her brand of like down home kind of like all shucks, mom's going to make you eat your vegetables thing is not going to play very well nationwide. Like <laughs> it's just not. Mm-hmm. 
so, okay. Then they come to Pete Buttigieg and he said, the Affordable Care Act depends on no free riders. Um, so everyone has to be enrolled in something. So whether that's their existing health insurance or, you know, or they have to be on the government thing or something, everybody has to be involved, be, you know, this is something we've talked about before. We've criticized him because <clears throat> he's saying, you know, Medicare for all who want it. And we were trying to say like, well, that might not even fund Medicare for all then, because if not everybody gets on it and then they try to get on it when they're sick and da, 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 da. But I guess his position is a little bit more nuanced than that. He's saying everybody has to be on something. So you have to have, if you don't have private health insurance, you're automatically put on the government health insurance. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you have to pay, pay into it. Okay. So it's, it's more complicated, but again, still, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think correctly points out, you can't cover the kinds of out of pocket expenses that Buttigieg claims his plan will for what he claims it'll cost. I think he was talking about like 1 trillion versus like 10 or 20 trillion for Sanders and Warren or something. Um, again, you get into these big numbers, my brain glasses over. It's not mm -hmm. something, you know, I can conceptualize very well, but, you know, I take Warren at her word here over, over, uh, over Buttigieg that, you know, he's probably trying to hew to the middle a little bit too much and have it both ways. So. Mm -hmm. um, Klobuchar attacks Warren's plan. She said, you would kick 149 million Americans off their current health care plans. Yeah, the private health care is going away. Klobuchar, deal with it. <laughs> make it sound like an apocalyptic Republican nightmare, but, you know, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> um, she says it is a big, big step to say people making one hundred thousand dollars a year that your premiums will be cut in half, which is what the nonprofit public option will do. And I at this point, again, I just about put my head through a wall. I'm like, what is this? What does this even mean? Are you saying that one hundred thousand dollars a year is a lot, a little what are you trying to say here? Okay, let me read that again. It is a big, big step to say to people making $100,000 a year that your premiums will be cut in half, which is what the nonprofit public option will do. Wait, see, is she for the nonprofit public option? I don't know. It, this, this is like, yeah, like I don't know what this even means. And I could I could I could begin to understand the sentence if I knew that she's saying that people who make one hundred thousand dollars a year are upper class or lower class. If that part were clear to me, then I could understand the rest of it, perhaps a little bit better. Huh. Because where I'm from, one hundred thousand dollars a year is, That's you know, nice. upper middle class, at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I, I got the sense that she's thinking like one hundred thousand dollars a year is lower class or lower middle class. Mm. I got the, I got the, again, I think it's, you know, I haven't gone to Amy Klobuchar's website, so maybe that's my fault that I don't know what she's talking about, but I think it's a failure of her, her ability to communicate again on two issues in a row here that I don't know. I can't make heads or tails of that statement. Mm. I mean, nah, maybe we should do some homework no and try to figure it out, but like, I mean, I don't care. She's not going to be the president, but like. What, what, what was that? You know, what does it mean? Yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> it's a big step. Know. Yeah. Premiums will be cut in half. Okay. I guess that's a good thing. But if I were making $100,000 a year, I wouldn't much care about premiums. I could afford it. 
yeah. you know, for most things, barring like cancer or AIDS, I guess. Right. I don't know. I'm I'm not a senior citizen. I, I don't have, you know, recurring monthly bills for like, you know, a million medications, you know, job less, knock on wood and everything. But I, if, if I'm making $100,000 a year, my lifestyle looks a lot different than it does right now. So that's all I'm going to say. Mm. So, again, inscrutable. Absolutely inscrutable. Right. Okay, Bob, we are almost, we are coming in on the home stretch here. Okay, All right. page eight. <laughs> um, okay, so they there's another Sanders attack question from uh, Abby Phillip. Although, I, I will say, this one I think was actually somewhat fair. Okay, she, so she said... Uh, Senator Sanders, coming to you now, uh, CNN reached out to Iowa Democratic voters for their most pressing questions. And mm-hmm. Edward uh, from here in Des Moines writes, uh, Des Moines is an insurance town. What happens to all the insurance industry, uh, the health industry, uh, the health insurance industry here if there is Medicare for all? What happens to all the jobs and the livelihoods of the people that live in insurance towns like Des Moines? Mm-hmm. Now. I think that's a fair question just because I'm curious about that because, you know, as a Democrat, they're going to have to create jobs. They're going to have to keep employment, unemployment down. And it is true that if we're talking about getting rid of an entire industry, the private insurance industry, that's going to put a lot of people across the nation out of work. And mm-hmm. that's that. So I think that's a fair question, actually. Like that's, you know, what do they do? Um, now, I'm going to have some other responses to that. I think that's a little bit like asking, like, hey, the leeches that you just pulled off of your body, they still need blood now. So <laughs> how are you going to provide them blood now that they're no longer drinking your blood, right? But Cap, you, or, but uh, Chuck, you know, you know what, uh, you know, you know what Andrew Yang would say if he was there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, UBI bitches, we're going to give right. you all a thousand dollars a month. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> we got you covered. Yep. It's so simple. It's amazing that nobody thought of it before. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe Sanders will take Yang as his vice president, and that'll be the wow. solution. But but that's not the answer that Sanders gave. Sanders said um, a uh, transition fund of many million billions of dollars that will provide for up to five years income and health insurance or health care and job training to those people. But then he and so, OK, OK, I don't I I feel like job job retraining programs are one of the, you know, bullshit political promises that never actually works out, you know, ever uh, in politics for people or whatever. Like people who lose a job in the factory somewhere don't get retrained and become like, you know, programming geniuses or yeah, something two happen. years later. It just I've never seen it happen in my life, mm-hmm. but politicians often talk about it. So I don't yeah. know. You know, but I, like I said, I do think it's a little bit like asking like these leeches that have been sucking the blood off the body politic forever. Wh- how are they going to get their blood now, now that we're changing the system? It's like, well, that's a sad story, but we have to we have to get the leeches off our body. Right. Mm-hmm. But so Sanders continues and he said, um, but we're spending twice as much, sometimes 10 times as much as other countries. Why is that? And the answer is the greed and corruption of the drug and, and insurance companies. So, and I think that's, that is some good context there. I think like, I wish, you know, maybe I wish there was an answer that didn't, inc- that it included more than just, you know, 
five years of, you know, support and healthcare and job training programs for these people in the insurance industry. But it's like, but at the end of the day, their industry is causing us to chart to pay two times as much or 10 times as much for our healthcare as other countries. And that's unsustainable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's unjustifiable. So, you know, what do they have to do? I don't know. Gosh, I hope they can find something to do, but it's not really, I don't know. It's, it is, it is the president's problem. It would be the president's problem in this situation. And he does have to have an answer and he has an answer. So I don't know. It was an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And at some point in this question, he mentioned Stayers, uh, Tom Stayers, uh, something Tom Stayer had said before, which was interesting because then Tom Stayer raised his hand as though he'd been attacked by Bernie. And he said, can I respond to this? And so, you know, and Abby Phillip, of course, allows it because she thinks maybe Stayer is going to jump on Sanders or something. And he says, I just want to emphasize what Senator Sanders is saying. Um, uh, Senator Warren is right. This is cruelty for money. And so he he strongly actually supported Sanders and Warren on this. And then they they kind of wrapped up his talking time. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see. Joe Biden said, I would argue that the greatest breakthrough in recent times was us being able to do what five Republicans five democratic presidents couldn't get done and that is pass obamacare i'm thinking yeah yeah five other democratic presidents couldn't pass obamacare because they weren't named obama but you know i'm you know it's it's kind of pedantic response i guess but also it's like why are you calling it obamacare like usually like obamacare was the you know the derisive name the republicans gave to it it should be the affordable care act right but then I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're Joe Biden. You're trying to link yourself to the name Obama every single time you can, even if it means like calling it the Obama Obamacare instead of the Affordable Care Act, which is usually what the people who push through legislation would want to do is call it by its proper name. Yep. Yes, he right? can. Joe. Yes, yeah, he yes, can. he can. I, I suppose so. Um, Let's see. Then Biden said um, we can control drug prices where if they increase the price higher than what we say it can be, then people can import from abroad, import from abroad, um, assuming it is safe, which, again, strikes me as a non-answer. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll tell the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, like how much they can charge for the drugs. And then if they charge more, we'll say that American citizens can get their drugs from overseas if those drugs are safe. But again, then you get into the whole thing of the, you know, the regulatory agencies are controlled by the industry and stuff. And so the pharmaceutical industry is going to like pay billions of dollars for the regulators to say, no, Canadian drugs and Mexican drugs are not safe for American citizens. It's not the same thing as what we're selling. Can't import it. Right. Mm. And, and also, how would it be imported? Are individuals going to be importing this stuff themselves or are there going to be, you know, organizations or companies or government agencies in charge of importing drugs from other countries? It's, you know. I, I don't actually believe that that Joe Biden is going to fight for Americans to be able to get non-American medicine brought in. Joe Biden knows a guy who can get across the border, Chef. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, vote for Pedro. <laughs> all of your all of your greatest dreams will come true. That's right. <laughs> okay, Warren says um, a government drug manufacturer. There should be a government drug manufacturer. For when there are shortages or price hikes, price hikes, interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to make market works. It's, it's made to make, sorry, a way to make markets work. No price controls. 
let 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 contracts we're going to let contracts out which is apparently something the government does for other work they need done by the private private industry um, for specific drugs um, get competition out there so this is another point where she's emphasizing that she's not a democratic socialist she's a capitalist who wants to you know create a government drug manufacturer to compete with the private industry to drive down prices but essentially just to keep the the market working in a way which okay i think there's an argument to be made there yeah um klobuchar says i'm open to looking at that uh bernie and i got 14 republican votes to bring in generic drugs it was at midnight they might not have known what they were voting for but we did that so what a great line of argument <laughs> i'm such a centrist that i can sneak things past when the republicans aren't looking <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, okay, Bob, we're on page nine. Okay, child care and free college. Um, Buttigieg says two-thirds of income on child care is what people are spending now, but we need to get it down to 7% or lower for some people. Okay, I, all right. That's a lot on child care. And 7%, I don't know where he gets that number, but he sounds yeah, confident, I and so I, I believe him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a real, it's a real problem. I mean, just <laughs> seeing what these places charge for... Uh, it doesn't make like what he's saying is so true. Like certain people are working so they can have kids be in, in child care when mm-hmm. they could just stay home with the kids and it would just be the net. You know what I mean? It wouldn't, it would be the same, same thing, but at least you'd be get to be home with your kids, you know? So, yeah, I, I was wondering about that actually. I don't have kids, so I don't know. I'm not married and stuff, but like, I Oh, was it's wondering. insane. Yeah, no, I, I believe it's expensive, but I, it's, it's interesting that they would be working just to make enough money just to pay for the child care and have nothing left over. I'm thinking like they must uh, yeah. have something left over or else why it's would they not, be doing it? No. Well, I mean, you don't want to lose your job, you don't want to like fall behind in your career. The idea I believe is that you want to okay. do this for a couple of years and then you would send them to, you know, preschool and then school or whatever. And then you'd still get, mm-hmm. get, get working, I guess. So it's, it's uh, not a forever thing, but for the time that you're paying for it, it's an arm and a leg. So, yeah. Yeah, I think okay. Well, Bob is Bob has got that family demographic covered. Oh yeah. So that's that's you've got you're bringing some perspective that I can't bring to it. So that's right. good. All right. So that okay. So what Buttigieg was saying makes a little bit more sense. I yeah I I can't imagine yeah yeah people how much they pay for. I, so it's it's oh. a matter of just keeping their career going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like my my brother who lives in California, he's told me the prices for daycare there, and it's it's more than my rent. It's insane. So mm-hmm. just for one, and that's per kid too. That's it. That's not. You don't get some kind of discount because you got the three pack or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's I. There must be like I mean, you know, as Hillary Clinton said, it takes a village to raise a child, mm-hmm. and. uh and sometimes an unlicensed daycare these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you, if there was a way to guarantee quality, I, I don't Other know. Other countries do I, it, as you pointed out. We're the only ones that don't. So I mean, it's there. There's a there's a way to subsidize it, or or you know somehow do it. But it's you know whatever the system is now is not working. So. Yeah. Well, it's an issue in Korea too. I mean, like the birth rate is collapsing in Korea because the cost of raising children in Korea with education and childcare and everything is exorbitant and so you know most people are opting to have children later or not at all or just to have like one or two max children and stuff so it's uh it's an issue here too but but i would say like i mean like i don't know how much it costs but it's like um 
you know, in the in the bottom floor of some apartment buildings, there will be like a, a a children's, you know, like a like a Yuchiwan or an Odini Gongwan, which are like kind of like preschools or like, you know, like kind of baby places or whatever. I don't know what you call those in English. What? Baby, like where you keep babies, not preschool, but like before that or whatever. Uh, daycare? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like a daycare. Probably like a Yuchiwan, I guess. So they, they have these things like in the bottom of, in the basement floor or the first floor of some large high-rise apartment buildings and stuff. So mm. theoretically, people in that neighborhood could send their kids there when they go to work or whatever, and they would just mm. be taken care of all day. Now, again, I don't know how much that costs a family. I'm sure maybe someday I'll find out or whatever if, you know, if I, you know, start relating to women better or something in my private <laughs> life, <laughs> get, get, get married or something. But <laughs> we may want to edit that part out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if I, if I, you know, stop being a workaholic and start focusing on family at some point or something like that, go back to the gym, maybe do some sit-ups, whatever it takes. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but yeah, they're, they're, I'm just saying the facilities exist in Korea, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a complicated world. It's expensive. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, Warren said income limit on free childcare. Okay. So they said like, well, Elizabeth Warren, you support free college for all. So why do you support an income limit on free childcare? And she gave some answer. Um, I just thought it was an interesting thing to take note of that that was a point that she was making, a distinction she was making. Um, Bernie Sanders says high quality, universal, affordable child care. So, again, he's not even advocating free child care, so he may not be going as far as Warren. Not sure exactly. Boo, bring back Yang. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, $1,000 a month. You get a lot of child thousand. care for $1,000 yeah. a month. <laughs> Yeah. What are, what are these old white people talking about? Bring back Yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Biden said there's he wants to give an $8,000 tax credit so women could go back to work. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this, again, tax credits are another bullshit thing, I think, that, you know, an $8,000 tax credit. Maybe I don't understand this, but for a lot of people you don't end up owing anything in taxes anyways, right? They tax you, they, they, they do it, they check your taxes, they collect some, and then they give you some back or whatever, or whatever, you know, like if you make a certain amount, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. like, what if they don't even take $8,000 out of your paycheck for a year? Like you don't get $8,000 back because you got a tax credit for like more than you paid in taxes. And like, and I don't, I don't know most, most poor people. I don't think they can pay eight thousand dollars across the year, with the knowledge that they're going to eventually get that eight thousand dollars back after it gets taken out of their taxes at the end of the year, and then they get it back, and that balances out for them. That's not how normal poor people I know work their money. I think like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think tax credits is another bullshit political talking point, similar to the job retraining programs that. Sounds good. It's something people can talk about in politics, but it doesn't actually help most people. It's because they get to say, like, taxes. People don't like taxes. So if you're giving them a credit on the taxes, that sounds good. And it's like, it's probably just one of those tested phrases that tests well with people or something. So Yeah. Like, I mean, Bob, would you and Ash pay for child care throughout the year if you knew you were going to get an $8,000 tax credit at the end of the year? 
I don't even know Does what that, that make means sense for you. I don't know what that means. All I know is that as long as next year's taxes are going to be so sweet because I get to claim three kids. So <laughs> I'm already looking forward to that. <laughs> Be All back right, in well, the money truck up. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine if you're getting a thousand dollars a month for each of them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, does uh, does Yang's thing does it kick in for under eighteen or is it only over eighteen? Uh, it's eighteen and over. Hmm. I know, right? Well, you know, another 10 to 12 years or so, you guys are going to be rolling in the dough. Yeah. Or at least the captain will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, let's see. Okay, let's keep going. Uh. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, so Biden keeps talking about this, and I think this is one of those things that he's not very comfortable about because he says, um, <clears throat> you know, $8,000 tax credit so women could go back to work. But Bernie's right. We have to raise the salaries of the people who are doing the care. And my plan provides for that. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, you're trying to make it more affordable pe for people, but you're also trying to raise the salaries of the people who are providing it. <laughs> That's a conflict of interest. You know, you, you, you don't cut costs and cut costs. Uh, you, you don't cut costs and cut um, you know, salaries, right? Like one of them's got to go up and the other one's got to go down. And so then after that, he said, my time is up, I know, but I'm not going to go over like everybody else. Mm -hmm. My point is, I think like I think Biden had about two talking points on child care. And then he's like, I'm out. of. I, I can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, he, he always I haven't really thought about he, it. I don't really have a time. plan for it. Yeah. <laughs> if he runs out of things to say, he's always, uh, you know, re remembering he's, his time, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's very he's very magnanimous about his time when he's out of ideas, which. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't totally blame him. Like it's, it's hard to be motivated and passionate about every single issue under the sun and to have a, you know, but you know, to certain, to, to candidates as credit, they do. I mean, some yeah. the good ones do. I've always, I've also noticed his tell when he's spinning his wheels is that here, here's the deal. The deal is, and that buys him like three seconds. while so he can say that before he can think of something else to say. <laughs> yeah. The, like, I, Studying these things, it gives you a real good idea of how to like avoid actually answering a question and like oh, the yeah. number of things you can say that make you sound smart and like you're really wrestling with the issue without actually having to wrestle with the issue. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things you can say. So if answer the question you were asked, always answer the question you wish you were asked, as Robert yeah. McNamara in uh, uh, Fog of War said. Yeah, so. what a good movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I still remember the day I saw that down there on uh, – was it Walnut Street or where was that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Was that the bus curb Chumley? Must have been. Mm. Independent Theater in Bloomington, Indiana. Sure. Okay. Uh, Buttigieg says free public college for the bottom 80% of incomes. Um, he says, I know there's no scripture that says, uh, as you've done unto the middle class, so you've done unto me. Which is kind of a funny line. Yeah. Um, Warren says wealth tax. Um, let's see. Um, Klobuchar says, I want to take a step back. I actually think that some of our colleges who want some of our colleagues who want free college for all aren't thinking big enough. Okay, this is another exasperating point with Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, my, says, my ears perked up at that. I was like, whoa, Amy Klobuchar, what are you about to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to go farther than Warren and Sanders? All right, I'm How? listening. 
I'm listening against my better judgment. to go to college? Right. Against my better judgment. $15 minimum wage per credit hour? Like, exactly. what are you going to do here? Yeah, I want to take a step back. I actually think that some of our colleagues... $2,000 a month, Amy? $2,000? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I get $3,000? <laughs> yeah. yeah, how is she going to outdo these, these motherfuckers on college, free college when they don't go far enough? So she said, okay, I, I want to capture the insipidness of what she says. I want to take a step back. I actually think that some of our colleagues who want free college for all aren't thinking big enough. Um, I think our, our money should go into one and two year degrees like my dad and my sister got like my dad got like my sister got. I'm like. How? OK, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren with free college for all and free college at all for all at public universities aren't going far enough. So you're going to guarantee free college for one year, one to two years. So somebody can get like an associate's degree and like she said they could work as a healthcare provider, not a doctor, not a not a registered nurse or anything, but as a healthcare provider or a, a, a plumber or something like that, which, again, I know it's a popular thing like on Facebook. These to say they just say like, oh, you know, I didn't go to liberal arts college to get a major in like religious studies of feminine theory or something. You know, I just, you know, put roofs on buildings and stuff, which is, you know, obviously it's a necessary thing, but it's like. I don't think that these two things have to be put in opposition to each other in such an aggressive way. Yeah, they're they're not. And, and you know, and let's let's be real. It's it's not the same as it was when Amy Klobuchar's father, which who I'm sure the the thrice divorced father who was born in like 1917 or whatever. I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that back in his day that was enough. You know, I'm sure that was. But as as you and I know, even to get a you know minimal job, you know, you you know a college degree is the baseline it's not it's not high school anymore it's college you have to have that degree and it's not not really yeah. optional well, if you ever for a lot of, any, you know for yeah. a lot of jobs for a lot of jobs that can right. turn into careers it's needed yeah yeah absolutely and so but but i just like i don't know i think i need to like the next time i talk to my mom i just actually want to go through some of the things that amy klobuchar said because i think my thing i think one thing about my mom is that my mom doesn't have cable tv so she can't see the debates on like mm-hmm. cnn or something so she sees the clips or something, but I don't think she actually knows what Amy Klobuchar wants or what she says and how it just doesn't, you know, you know, just doesn't add up. But Have you told her about eating the salad with the comb yet? Yeah, we've we've, we've talked about that. She's like, well, I'm sure she was just frustrated or something. Like, no. I, yeah, I, I think, Mom, I've been frustrated. I think I've put my hand through a few fans or something at times, but like I didn't eat a salad with a fucking dirty comb. I don't know. I've been down and out my life, but I've never been that down. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a sad story. Okay, so but again, yeah, Amy Klobuchar just being Amy Klobuchar, I guess. I don't know. Um, Stayer said my kids didn't need free college, which okay, again, you know, he's coming down on the other side of the debate about um, about you know uh, what do you call it? about um give it free oh God, I can't I, sorry I can hardly think anymore after all this um what do, what do you call it when you you offer uh something for some people but not for all people oh means testing mm. he's coming down on the other side of the means testing argument which is that 
yeah, if you're a billionaire, your kids don't need free college, which, okay, fair enough. And, you know, I know Bernie and Warren are, you know, they can, they can argue that the other way or whatever, but. Well, didn't, didn't Um, Warren have something where it's like, you're going to pay part for part of it or something too, if, or if you're over a certain amount of time of something, I'll be honest. I'm not sure what her, I'm not sure where she landed on that. Finally, I know she's pretty close to Bernie, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the argument in favor of not means testing it is that you then take away the weapon that people use to uh, be like, oh, I'm paying for these. Why should I pay for these poor people? Mm-hmm. You know, because then everybody gets it. So you really can't say you're just paying for the you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the billionaire's kid doesn't need it, but that kind of takes the weapon away from uh, and, you know, maybe yeah. you leave the option in there if they want to opt out and pay themselves, they can or whatever. But, you know, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think I think bifurcating it like that creates that resentment between the classes or whatever that we see. It's like the people yeah. that complain about like food stamps, p- uh, people buying like uh, lobster on food stamps or something. It's like the same. It's like <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, it's yeah. Ridiculous. yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't visited a local news comment section lately, I guess. So. I guess no. Yeah. <laughs> Different news stories, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. Right. Yeah. So I know I, I hear that argument, but I think on the other hand, when you when you don't means test it, you just give it to everybody. Then you're also giving a huge number, you know, to them to, to beat you over the head with this is costing sure. six trillion dollars a year, or, you know, whatever it is. Of course, you know, you could argue that it's still going to be like maybe only four trillion if you take out the rich people or something. But it's still like, you know, yeah, Uh, it's, you know, whatever. I think Tom Steyer is not wrong on it. I don't I think it's like, you know, and and Buttigieg also saying, you know, body bottom 80 percent of incomes. That's probably enough. You know, that's I can I can take it either way there. So. All right. The acquittal of Trump. Um. Let's see. Biden said something, notwithstanding that there's going to be more division after he's defeated by me. Something, something. I don't know. Um, Klobuchar, if Senate Republicans won't even give Democrats the four witnesses we want in a Senate trial, we might as well. They might as well give Trump a crown and a scepter. And then she mentions a man from Primgar, Iowa, said at long last, sir, have you no decency in the in the McCarthy hearings and stuff? And so, she, you know she name drops another person, somebody from Iowa who she can throw out there and stuff. And maybe we're supposed to be able to imagine her saying to Donald Trump at long last, or have you no decency, which we we Uh, can't, we don't, we don't imagine that of her. Also, I I, I hate when politicians do this thing where they're like, if we don't do this, well, then this is going to happen. And then eventually, of course, that thing happens and then they never mention it again. And then they say the next while if this next thing happens, you never know. It's like, all right, well, uh, they're not going to give the witnesses. Spoiler alert. Lisa Murkowski, Susan, Susan Collins aren't going to do the right thing. A big shocker, no. you know. So are we? So you're saying we just have a king now? We have to live with that? You know, that's what you were saying in that, that quote. If we don't do that, we have to say he's a king. But she's not going to say that again. She's going to be like, well, there's always next, you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you make these apocalyptic statements and then never return to them when they actually come true. It's like, it's like we don't yeah. deal with climate change by 2015. It's like, well, we didn't deal with it by 2015. So are we, are, do we just have fun for the rest of few years while we have the planet left and not even try? Or do it, why, why are you making these like artificial like uh, things and you never mention them again? Because it like takes the oomph out of uh, whatever. But that's not, not just Amy Klobuchar, but you know, another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I saw a story today that um, that let's see, uh, Barack Obama, um, I don't know, he contacted 
one of the incoming or like he contacted the he he told somebody that uh, Donald Trump was a fascist or something oh, in the 2016 yeah, yeah. campaign. It was, it was Tim Kaine and oh uh, yeah, he told Tim Kaine. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was somebody in the Hillary orbit there. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, yeah, thanks Obama. Four years later for telling us what you really thought at the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't I mean, know. You Maybe could have it said that out loud. Good one way or the, the other. Time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Other, you know, other people like myself were saying the same thing in 2015, but like everybody's talking like we were crazy and alarmist. Mm-hmm. Give the guy <laughs> no, a chance. Barack uh, Obama agreed on, with us at the time. Deserves a chance. Who's God now? Give him 100 days or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll yeah. grow into the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't change the behaviors of sociopaths very easily. Right yeah, that's what I always say about my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> just joking that's apocryphal <laughs> let's see um tom, let's see um tom steyer said standing up for what's right is always worth it i think he was saying like you know not a question of political expediency or whatever okay sure um warren said something then it was climate crisis uh, buddha just said in australia there are literally tornadoes made of fire taking place which is mm. not necessarily something I ever thought I would ever hear outside of like a, you know, kind of like a, a B movie from the 80s or something. But, um, yeah, Tom Steyer said, what Buttigieg is talking about is managed retreat. I would declare a state of emergency on day one on climate. Which I thought was, yeah, good. State of emergency, day one on climate. Good. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you use that state of emergency to th- throw certain uh, Republicans in 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 re-education camps, <laughs> I ain't gonna shed no tears. Okay? So <laughs> you can do, Bob. You can do a lot of things under the expanded powers of a state of emergency. That's all. I'm I know. Saying. I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see uh, what we can do with this expanded executive branch when we get back in power. Mm-hmm. Here. This is gonna be lots of fun. I can't wait to see. Tom, Tom Sire, let's let's talk. Let's talk about what you're gonna do. You you may be able to get my support here. <laughs> so but but yeah i mean thank god the guy's you know taking climate change deadly seriously it sounds like yeah. and he's like you said he's kind of taking that mantle from uh from um i'm blanking on his name before Inslee. it was when he, huh uh jay Inslee, uh, washington yeah Governor. yeah yeah i'm glad somebody picked up that mantle and is running or, with it or as the stranger called him climate daddy <laughs> <laughs> okay wow remember they had that poll about the most uh you know uh, hottest uh who would you like to the uh, most bangable candidate. candidates yeah, or something exactly. right <laughs> yeah and that, that's a that's an interesting and fascinating question mm-hmm. apparently like i remember pete Buttigieg is remarkably popular with elderly mm-hmm. which is weird i guess you know he's kind of got that square Dwayne. freshly shaven jaw and kind of a very serious <laughs> boy mannerism to him right like right. Mm-hmm. but he's gay they need yeah. to remember that <laughs> Yeah. So I, I don't know how. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I've always said I've always said I think like. um, I think Tulsi Gabbard's got a certain appeal. I think she's fucking crazy, but I can see the appeal, you know, there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, Bob, who do you think? What do you think? The most attractive candidate? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, like not not necessarily for you, but like just like, you know. For men or for women, you could see them kind of like, you know, being attracted towards somebody who's in the race or was in the race or whatever. Uh, I, I think Pete's got it going on. 
you know i think as far as like uh if that's if you're into that kind of you know uh what do, what do we say kind of uh overachieving kind of button down type type thing yeah i think you could you, you could go for that i mean i'm not gay or anything but you know i could see but <laughs> <laughs> if yeah, i Pete was how, how totally be. bangable no oh, homo yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> As the hip hop people Bob, say nowadays. This this podcast is going to require extensive so editing. Extensive. So much editing. Extensive editing, and it's a shame too because it's really one of our best at this point. <laughs> we haven't we haven't gotten to the uh, the bangability of the candidates yet. Like well, I'd like to, so I'm really glad we're getting to this at about the two and a half hour mark. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, once you've covered everything else, we covered right. their policies. Exactly. We covered I'll, their history. Get, let's get now to the, to, the real. Yeah. Let's now you need to, to uncover meat. their body. <laughs> the meat market portion. <laughs> see what okay, the goods yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. It's a pop. An election is really just a popularity contest. Absolutely. And uh, and when you look good, it's really easy to be popular. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, how's those notes coming? <laughs> Slow jam the news. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Elizabeth Warren says, take back government from corruption. I think that's probably a good thing to, you know, reduce, you know, climate change and stuff. And then we get to our, you know, our favorite whipping girl from this whole se- segment, Amy Klobuchar, mm. who does not want to ban fracking. She has no ban on fracking. Surprise. But she says, I have 100% ranking from cons- conservation groups. She says, I want more have regulation on methane. Have they heard this position? She says she wants more regulation on methane. So she's talking, she wants to talk about methane, not fracking. Uh-huh. And she says, I actually see natural gas as a tra- transition fuel. And at this point, Bernie Sanders is shaking his head. He's exasperated. And, he's, and she says, where we where we can get to a carbon neutral. So <clears throat> natural gas is the transition fuel to get to carbon neutral. She says nearly every one of us has a plan that is very similar. And that is to get to a carbon neutral. Okay. So this is, again, she's doing what Elizabeth Warren did earlier, where she's trying to say like, you know, she's got an unpopular position, but she's going to say, Oh, nearly every one of us, we all pretty much kind of are on the same page. Right guys. I mean, we're all Democrats here. Right. Like she's like, <laughs> So nearly every one of us has a plan that is very similar, and that is is to get to carbon neutral by 2045, 2050, to get to by 2030 to a 45% reduction. And I want to add one thing, which is and, – and at this point, she's been rambling for way too long, and like the, the moderator cut her off and went to Bernie Sanders, and he says, thank you. He's, he's clearly angry that they let Klobuchar ramble bullshit for so long. He says, let's be clear. If we as a nation do not transform our energy system away from fossil fuels, not by 2050, not by 2040, but unless we lead the world right now, not easy stuff. The planet we'll be leaving our kids will be uninhabitable and unhealthy. Green, And so he advocates a Green New Deal. <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of funny that you would, you know, it's uninhabitable. And it's also unhealthy. It's like, I think uninhabitable includes unhealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> merely unhealthy sounds preferable to totally un- uninhabitable. But but otherwise, I totally agree with what he's saying there. It's like, yeah, Amy Klobuchar is trying to do this thing where like, yeah, 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 we're going to, you know, it's always a path and we're always, you know, uh, progress always moves forward and we'll do better tomorrow than we did today, which is still better than yesterday. And maybe by 2050, we can start to, you know, transition off of fossil fuels. And Bernie Sanders is like, are you crazy? 
like like Buttigieg was saying, we got tornadoes of fire in Australia, and you're talking about 2050. There's not going to be a 2050, right. you know. Um, Joe Biden talked about 550,000 charging stations along the highways of America to make green highways or something, create good-paying jobs by building these things. Uh, carbon neutral farmers absorbing carbon in their fields so that they're part of the solution and not being told that they're part of the problem anymore. And then he says, there's more to say, but I know. And then he just stops. (laughs) So again, he ran out of things to say after he talked about the farmers and the charging stations. Okay. Um, Final thing, final thing before final statements was unique challenges. They asked each candidate about a unique challenge that they would face as the candidate. And, you know, at this point, I think Abby, uh, Abby, uh, Philip Ashley asked a good question of Buttigieg. She said, like, you've said that, you know, African-Americans just haven't gotten to know you yet, but you've been campaigning for over a year now. And maybe the fact is that African-Americans do you know, know you and they just don't like you or something. He's like, mm. well, the black voters that know me best support me. And then he mentions a couple like local people in Iowa or in his home state of Indiana at his local level. Some of my best him. friends are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a problem for him. He's not he's not getting around it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she said, you know, Bernie Sanders, you're a democratic socialist, and won't that hurt you? And he says, democratic socialism won't hurt me. Uh, Trump is socialism for big business, and da 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 da. And I'm like, uh, I get a little frustrated with Bernie Sanders. Like, can can you just be a democratic socialist, but not say you're a democratic socialist? Are you really that attached to the name? I mean, it. We know it's going to be we know they're going to beat you one way or the other with this this epithet, whether you have it or not. But the fact that you self-apply, it doesn't help. It's just like mm-hmm. I do kind of wish he would, you know, modulate a little bit on that some more. I don't know. Maybe I'm a centrist hacked hack. Um, you know, Tom Steyer, Steyer, uh, how can you convince the voters that you're more than just your money or something? And he's like. I'm more than my money. I'm self-made. I can beat Trump on the economy. Okay. And Amy Klobuchar, how can you inspire the voters with your talk of centrism or pragmatism? She's like, I can inspire voters with a message of pragmatism because the Midwest does not fly over for country for me. I live here. Um, I would say to Donald Trump, you treat people like poker chips, but for me, they are my friends and my neighbors. <laughs> like again with the poker chips for the third time. Um, Does she have a gambling problem maybe that we don't know about? <laughs> didn't she say that her dad was an alcoholic or something? <laughs> Is that somebody else I'm thinking of? I don't remember. I cut that out. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why you got divorced three times. Oof. Okay. Boom. Boom, <laughs> roasted. Fired. Okay. All right. Elizabeth Warren said, you know, will you scare away swing voters? And she's like, I won't scare away swing voters because I was born and raised in Oklahoma. She said eyes. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, I noticed at a previous point, she also like totally mispronounced a word in this way. She's trying to sound like kind of hoaxy and down home and fo- phony and like folksy or whatever. She's like, I, yeah, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. Uh, I have Bob. What does she have in Oklahoma? Oh, uh, two, three brothers. She's got three older brothers. They're all, all right. retired, all back there still. And two of my three brothers are Republicans. And sure, there are a lot of things we disagree on, and we can do the Democrat and Republican talking points. But there's a whole lot we agree on. You know, my brothers are just furious over Chevron and Eli Lilly and Amazon. 
that are these giant corporations making billions of dollars in profits and paying nothing in taxes and da 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 da. It goes on and on. I'm yeah, I'm sure that's the animating frustration of Republicans all across the world is uh, you know large companies making money. Mm. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, she said something like, uh, "Biden, you know." Uh, these Democratic debates are going to look like patty cake compared to debates with Donald Trump. Are you prepared to debate Trump? He says, I am prepared to debate Trump. I've been the subject of his affection now for more more than anybody else on this stage. He says some other things. And finally, we come to closing statements, Bob, at long last. We made it. Okay. It's been a long journey here. Yes. <laughs> All right, Amy Klobuchar, I have won every race, every place, every time, which is something she said before. If you are tired of the extremes in our politics and the noise and the nonsense, then you have a home with me. No, we're not, Klobuchar. We want more of the extremes. Get out of here. (laughs) Tom Steyer talked about team sports. I used to play team sports. In team sports, the American people are my team. For the past seven years, Trump has been running down the field, kicking my teammates in the face Seven years? I'm like, come on, four or five maximum. Mm. What, what does he mean, seven years? Uh, Buttigieg says defeating Donald Trump is by such. Okay, Buttigieg is like he's a good speaker. Like he has some good. He's he's good at speaking in a way, very Obama esque in a way. I would say. Mm-hmm. Says defeating Donald Trump by such a big margin that we send Trumpism to the dustbin of history. If you're watching this at home and you're exhausted by the spectacle of division and dysfunction, I'm asking you to join me. Uh, If you are seeing the president boast about the Dow Jones and wondering if any of that will ever get to your kitchen table, join me. If you're a voter of color feeling taken for granted by politics as usual, join me. If you're used to voting for the other party but right now cannot look your kids in the eye and explain this president to them, join me. So that was kind of, you know, he was kind of feeling himself there going along pretty well. Um, Elizabeth Warren says, we didn't talk about disabilities. She's like, while we were having this debate, I was taking notes about things that we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about people with disabilities and gun violence and poverty, childhood poverty, trans women, particularly trans women of color are at risk, black infant mortality, climate change that particularly hits black and brown communities, people being crushed by student loan debt, farmers barely holding on, people struggling with mental illness, etc., I'm like, okay. All right, Elizabeth Warren, you checked a lot of your woke boxes there just so you got it on the record there for the debate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanders says, it's been a good debate, but we haven't asked a major question. How has it happened that people are living paycheck to paycheck? There's homelessness. Immigration is being handled wrong. Criminal justice reform, et cetera. Just he, he went into his whole, you know, his spiel, his regularly scheduled thing. So... And then, you know, Joe Biden says character is on the ballot, which I think is kind of like a recycled thing from. Uh, was it? Uh, was it? No. What was her name? California. What's that? Uh, candidate from California. Justice is uh, on the ballot. Oh, uh, Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly they forget. Right. <laughs> you, you drop out and two weeks later, nobody can remember your name. Yeah, right. But yeah, she used to say justice is on the ballot. Now Biden's closing argument is character is on the ballot. Okay. Mm. Hmm. Vice presidential nod? Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, Bob, that concludes my notes. Wow. 
Good work, Cha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of see why I didn't really want to fuck with the PBS one too much after I put in, yeah, you know, after I'd gone through half of that. I was like, no, I can't yeah, start over. Not yeah. now. You should still watch it, though. There was some other interesting stuff, but it wasn't nearly as uh, consequential as, as this one, I thought, at least in terms of news, newsworthiness. So, um, yeah. do, When do we have – do we have another debate or, like, when do we do we have next another? Next one is February something or another. It's in a couple weeks, so – not before the yeah. Iowa caucuses, though. Uh, yeah. People have already gone to the polls before. Anything you want to say to the voters, Chad, before before we go? This is the last chance you get to talk to them before the first votes are cast. We've done so many of these. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say right now, people. <laughs> I sometimes I, I forget we're talking to people, but like we are. <laughs> we <And> are. <laughs> what? A, yeah. <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, there are other humans in this world. Yeah, the world is not an illusion created inside of my own head. <laughs> yes. Um, no, the what I want, I would just say, like, I mean, look, people, there's really two choices at this point right now. You know, if you want to go the quote unquote safe route, you know, you can vote for Joe Biden, and that's 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 the only thing you can vote for. You know, Buttigieg is not going to do it. God knows, Amy Klobuchar is not going to do it. Um. You know, if you want to go the other route, you know, there's a couple of things you can do. Tom Steyer's, you know, making some noise and looking pretty good in certain ways. But realistically, you only have two options, which are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Elizabeth Warren jumped to the front of the pack, but it's kind of like that scene in uh, the first uh, Fast and the Furious movie where that one guy is racing Johnny Tran or whatever. And he, he's like he hits his he hits his nitro and he jumps ahead. And he's like, he's like, aha, I'm going to get you. And then Johnny Tran is like, too soon. And then he hits his nitro and he jumps back ahead. And that's that's kind of like what happened with Biden and Warren. Like Warren jumped ahead too soon, wasn't able to hold the lead. And I, I think that's all she wrote. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's all she gets in this election. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she'll be the nominee. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's going to come down to if you want to do the quote unquote safe thing, you can vote for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And I think that myself and other progressives would say that safety is an illusion. Joe mm-hmm. Biden has massive problems as a candidate, and you may have another Hillary Clinton situation on your hands where you're scratching your head in 2020 trying to figure out why we didn't win the White House. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you've got Bernie Sanders weathering these attacks from, you know, Elizabeth Warren, the Daily Beast, you know, Hillary Clinton. Jonathan's mom. <laughs> yeah, vicious. Vicious. <laughs> but, but at the same time, he just got that he got an endorsement. He's been endorsed by Jenk Uger of the Young Turks. Um, you know, some of the woke, woke people out there said, oh, oh, Jenk Uger is a problematic person because of some things that he used to say back when he was a Republican. Like, um, and so Bernie Sanders had to rescind that endorsement. Now Bernie Sanders has been endorsed by Joe, Joe Rogan. And I think I don't think you can under, you can overstate how how much influence Joe Rogan has and on such a large swath of the country. Yeah, number one podcast in the world. So, yeah. So, you know, we, we hear some of these same woke people saying, oh, Bernie needs to uh, distance himself from Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's got some problematic beliefs about certain things. And, you know, I have some questions about his beliefs, but you, this is one you don't send this one back. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
No, and so, they're all like, oh, they're, they're all like digging up tweets from like 2012 where he like questioned Obama's citizenship, and it's like I don't think he'd say that now, and he's deleting the tweets, so it's obviously like he doesn't stand by it. And my goodness, people, like we're gonna purity test everybody into non-existence at this point. I, can, I don't know who's pure enough for these people anymore. It's like a, these perfect people that have never made a mistake or had a wrong opinion. I, I view it as a plus if you've had a bad opinion and you change, honestly. Like, I, I, I think we have to allow for that. And if we never let people out of their bad opinions, it's like, what incentive is there for anyone to ever change? Um, yeah. So. At the same time, I think we should privilege people who have had the right yes, of no opinion doubt. for longer no periods doubt. of time. Like, you Murray, know, I understand. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. saying, like, I mean, like, yeah, it's, you know. But we can't, like, like, like kick was, people out of society for this. And these are the same people who believe in second chances for actual criminals, too. And it's like we're not even yeah. going to give the benefit of the doubt to people who are, like, 89, 90% on your side about everything. So. Yeah. I would, just, I would just put it down to that. If you think in these first couple states that you're going to, you know, you're going to vote for somebody who's not Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden and that that's going to make one of them jump into first place and suddenly they're going to have a chance. And next thing you know, they're going to run the board. I'm going to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm not a polling expert. I'm not 538, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, but I, I don't I don't see it happening. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you have two choices in this election right now and, you know, do what you want. But uh, I, th- I think if Bernie comes out of these early states with some wins, that changes the national narrative and that changes things going into South Carolina and stuff like that. And he, he could have, and don't kid yourselves. Donald Trump is terrified of Bernie Sanders. He wants to have the fight with Joe Biden. They, they're still trying the, the Democrats in the Senate are trying to decide whether they're going to, they're going to let the Republicans drag Joe Biden's son in front of the Senate for a fucking show <laughs> trial. Yeah. If you want that to be our candidate, more power Hillary, to you, but Hillary Clinton 2.0 do the right thing. Yeah. So I don't know. That's I'm just saying, I, I, again, I think there are two choices for these next couple states. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you you had this choice. You had this choice in 2016. We went the other way. You know, we said back then hindsight is 2020. So let's let's see if that's really the case. Mm-hmm. Are we tired of losing? Do we want to go with the winner this time? Mm hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Did you, Bob, what did, did you want to say anything to the voters no, before you sign that's, off? No, that's, that's fair. And I, I just think people need to remember whoever the Democrats pick, the, the Republicans are going to throw the book at them. So going with a safe choice, cause you think the Republicans are going to be nice to the candidate or they're going to now find less fault. You're fooling yourself. They, they turned John Kerry, an actual war hero who was running against a, basically a draft dodger, George Bush into a, into the, you know, he, he's the bad guy and they, they make fun of him with like, uh, you know, band-aids on their eye over under their eyes at the convention. You know, it's like, they'll, they'll do this to anybody. doesn't matter what the facts are. Just go with what, you know, what, feels right don't go on what you think the oh maybe the republicans will be nice to us if we choose amy klobuchar <laughs> like <laughs> you know it's not gonna yeah. happen they'll, they'll find something about amy klobuchar that they don't like and they'll just vote for the republican or they won't vote you know what i mean it doesn't matter it's like you don't go off of that because you one yeah. thing you can i don't trust republicans but i don't tr- i trust republicans to be republicans they they mm. will always do that they will always take uh, whatever candidate you put up and they'll drag them through the mud. So just don't worry about that. Just assume that as a given. Don't, you know, don't take that into consideration, I would say. So, yeah. And I, I would add also just 
don't don't vote for who you think other people are voting for. Mm. You know, yeah. vote for who inspires you. True. Right, right, right. Vote for who you really think you can trust to have your interest at heart. Don't don't try to play this three dimensional chess thing where you're trying to figure out what voters in another state are going to do, because guess what? If whoever wins these first three states, guess what? They're probably going to win South Carolina and then they're going to win and then they're going to go on and then it's going to be the White House. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Gene. But um, I'm just saying, like, you know. Don't you know, I, I don't want to criticize people. They say, you know, it's critical thing now. Everybody's a pundit now. And that's basically what we do. You know, that's what we do. We try to pundit these things and try, you know, we're, you know, mm-hmm. probably we, we consume more news than the average citizen, I guess. And so we comment on it. Mm-hmm. But my conclusion from that is that there, there's a candidate who inspires me, who I think I can trust on the issues, who is right, seems to be right on a lot of the issues and who I think could have won last time. And I'm not going to try to second guess that and try to. Mm-hmm. finagle away where it could be somebody else or what about this person or they've got a couple positives it's like just go with who you think is you know mm-hmm. go with who you like because chances are if you like them chances are other people like them too mm-hmm. so. absolutely but uh chad not only not only are we going to new hampshire tom harkin we're going to south carolina <laughs> yeah and oklahoma and arizona where else <laughs> and Tell north dakota Bob. and new mexico and we're and going finally, to california and texas and, then, and new york and we're going to south dakota and oregon and washington and michigan and then we're going to washington dc to take DC, back the we're going to take back the white house yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still eligible to run. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> yeah. If I were a candidate, I would memorize that speech exactly, and I would go up on stage and I would give it again, and I would do it like word for word. That would be that'd be so dope. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> also from Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Well. Anyways, cool. I guess I guess we can kind of conclude our our broadcast there. I suppose. I don't know. How are you gonna top that? But. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll see you on the other side of the uh, the caucus uh, here, child. I'll try to get these out as uh, as soon as possible here, so that people can make an informed decision with our uh, <laughs> with, yeah with our, uh, I, commentary here. <laughs> I do think I think like timeliness more than any time in the past, and perhaps more than any time in the future. I think this one is a timely one. Yeah. But um, and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna put in some work. I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna start working on the PBS one and work back on that one a little bit, and we can maybe we yeah. can do something with that in the future too. But I, like I said, I would rather have this one out now and then, you know, be two months late with the PBS one rather than be one month late with the PBS one and then be one month late with this one after the after the Mm. caucus. Yeah, no doubt. But all right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for taking on all those notes and everything, Joe. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good night. Have a good day. Bye bye.
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.